Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where. Now look people, okay, you all know what's going on yeah? You've got busy lives. But let's get something straight. Subscribe. Start listening. Start liking. You know it's the right thing to do. You know, at the end of the day, when you look back on your week, have you done anything to be proud of? If you ask your parents right about now, they're going to say no. No, you haven't. But if you subscribe, if you like, if you start listening, if you click on the link and start enjoying and start contributing to From Dial Square to Where, they may think a little better of you. Because right about now, guys, okay, you're not, not in their good books. Like it, subscribe to it, enjoy it. Take care, all. All right, Treacle. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Hello everyone, welcome to this Celebrity Squares version, or what was it called? Guess Who version, as you said Darren, of From Dial Square to Where. Welcome everyone, and thanks for watching, thanks for listening, whichever format you're going to be listening to this or watching it on. So, I'm not going to, well, I suppose we'll go through it. I'm just going to say hello to everyone at once. We've got Tanner, Bearded Guna, how are you? Doing well mate, thanks for having me back on the show, been a while, good to see you. It's been a while. It's fantastic to have you on. Melvin, how are you, mate? Very good, thanks. Looking forward to this. Yeah, going to be a good one. Cy the Gooner, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're, you, I think you're one of the posher ones of us, because it looks like you've got conservatory. Yeah, but it's going to rain, so <laughs> I might have to move. <laughs> good old British weather. Yeah, exactly. Stand the man. Nice to have you back on, mate. How are you? Andrew. Uh, all good, mate. It's a lovely, sunshiny day here in Vancouver. Oh, just shut up. You've had enough of you and to be a goon already, talking about the heat and lovely weather and this shit over here, mate. <laughs> and Darren, how are you? Yeah, good. Glad Thanks to be back. back on. No, actually, I'm terrible, just because I want to be controversial and disagree with everyone. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. <laughs> oh, are you? I don't believe you are. <laughs> Ryan from Arse Brothers, how are you? Uh, I mean, I'm good. Uh, I didn't get kicked in the face yesterday. Uh, it didn't look like I was bit by a vampire right between the eyes. So, uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, what you confusing yourself with Mustafa or something? Yeah. Well, I, I, well I, that didn't happen. That didn't happen to me. So therefore, I'm that, therefore I'm good. That happened. I wouldn't be having such a good day. Oh, that's all right. And the vampire that bit you, it wasn't uh, a Bamiyang, was it? 
That's, I mean, I said in the watch log, he really looks like a vampire. He does. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't Unai Emery. Oh, more than you do not want to get bitten by. I promise you that. <laughs> no, no, my bloody hell. Yeah, I think I'll put, I'll put a stake through my own heart if that was the case. Sebastian Walker, Basti, how are you? I'm all right. Yes, not bad. Um, settling for the draw, I suppose. Well, yeah, looking forward to, we'll to taking it out on Tottenham on Sunday, hopefully. Yeah, oh, yeah, gonna gonna rip them a new arsehole, I reckon, on Sunday. Well, fingers crossed. And finally, Uno. but last but not least, Rowan. <laughs> How are you, Rowan? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It looks like a lively panel, you know. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Hot in here in New York, and the AC can't be turned on, otherwise you won't be able to hear anything. So yeah. No, exactly. Well, things that say, you are. I don't think I've ever seen a, a, as big a panel as this on any kind of show before. However, it's obviously the best as well. Biggest and the best. I'll say that. I've got to be nice some point. Right. Just say quickly hello to Ryan in the chat. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Mr. Arsenal Podcast. A regular on the show, obviously. Emery is the big boy vampire, a.k.a. Dracula, definitely. So steer clear of that one. Uh, Danny the GFP, fantastic, good, honoured to have you on Danny, honoured, nine people, seven glasses wearers, three beards and a stan, <laughs> definitely like a ge- game of guess who, uh, we've got some, we're going to move straight on, we're going to have to move it on, we've got a lot of people to get through, a lot of opinions to gather today, uh, we'll start off with the match yesterday, which uh, obviously the Leicester City game. Um, I mean, start from my point of view, the first half was one of the best halves I've seen Arsenal play in a long, long, long time, uh, if I'm honest. Um, great to get back to playing some kind of really good fluid football and, and shutting teams down, really. Didn't quite go to play in the second half. We'll see what people's opinions on that are and reasons for that, really. Um, I'll go to you first, Tanner. Bearded Guna. Now, what overall opinions really? Um, thoughts on the the lineup and sort of how the game sort of played out. The controversial parts of it we can come on to sort of separately, I think, and discuss as a separate issue. But the actual match overall, what was your thoughts on that? Um, tale of two halves, as un- unfortunately I think is becoming a, a, a bit of the norm with with this club right now. Um, spot on. Andrew with the first half, great first half of football, absolutely tremendous. And then just the intensity level, the compete level to start the second went down. And, and I, yeah, like you said, we'll get on to the controversial stuff later. But, um, you know, we we need to become a team that can put together 90-plus minutes of, of, you know, in, intense football if, if we're going to win these matches. Um, <clears throat> unlucky, I think, to not get all three points. Uh, but I, a lot of the fan base I saw yesterday on Twitter, boy, just ready to jump off a bridge over dropping the two points. I, I wasn't quite there. I think at the end of the day, between Wolves and Leicester, had you said, we'll take four points from those two matches, I think we would have all signed up for it. So, Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know whether 
it's a lot of it is down to I think it's got to be down to fatigue a lot of it as well because we've been playing more games than anyone else really a lot of our competitors have been up to yesterday this was a stat I heard we'd played six games since the restart some other teams uh only had had only played four so I mean that's going to play a big part of it obviously crap weather in the UK at the moment as well heavy pitch uh, and the fact that we're playing a good team, you know, we can't take that away from them. I mean, Leicester are a good team, even though they haven't been up at their best lately. But I'll go to you, Basti, next, if that's all right. What are your thoughts on the game yesterday overall? Uh, yeah, again, I thought looked really great in the first half. Was a little disappointed with Lacquer's finishing. I mean, he got two, I think, uh, very, very, very decent chances. Uh, was there one in the second half as well? I don't know. But he, it, I remember a header and a shot well saved by Schmeichel, who is a top-class keeper. And I think Schmeichel kept Leicester in it. Um, but we really needed, you know, that old cliche of, you know, against a reasonably quality side. Don't forget they did win the, win the league in living memory. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> And they're way above us in the league and they've had a, a better season than us. So they, the league doesn't lie. They're a good team. Um, and a, if you spurn your chances when you get good, good chances, you know, top-class team has to put those away. And we, I, we really should have been two or three up at half-time and it would have been a different game. Wouldn't have been under the pressure we were. And then, you know, young Eddie came on and, and uh, was being young Eddie and he just he kind of needed to curb his enthusiasm a bit, probably. Um, and, well, I'm sure we'll move on to the, the, uh, the what should have been two sending off incidences or no sending off incidences later. But, yeah, yeah it was frustrating in that way. Um, but I, I, with 15 minutes to go, I was very much settling for the point because... Uh, you know, down to uh, 10 men against a good side. Um, another five minutes and we may not have lasted. Although I was still hoping for a breakaway goal, of course, from us. But, uh, you know, I, it, yeah. I'll settle for the point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Sai, your thoughts on the, the lineup as well. Did, how do you feel about um, Saka being sort of played on the right the last couple of games. Do you think that's utilising him to his best abilities? Um, I don't know if it's going to be his final position. I personally prefer him on the left. And uh, I think it's just testament to the fact, you know, he's he's 18 years old. It's his first debut season. Yeah, he can play left back, left wing back, left midfield, right. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you put him. He can create danger and he works hard. Um, so I thought it was another another positive performance Great ball across for Bamiyang for the goal, um, but I think overall the the lineup probably was what I expected it to be. It was pretty close to to, to what I thought Arteta would go with. Um, I think for the weekend's game we've got a few extra days rest, which will be nice. But there might be one or two changes there. But I have to say the transformation of of some of the players over the last few games on this run that we've been on has been the most pleasing thing for me, and I, I try to focus on the positives. Um, I think Ceballos yesterday was absolutely superb. Um, sort of ran out of steam towards the end a little bit, but putting himself around the pitch, doing the hard work, and you know some of his passing yesterday was brilliant. But a better mm. performance from Bellerin as well. He's had a little bit of stick from fans, 
since we've come back from lockdown and we've all said he's not quite the, the player he might have was before the injury. Um, but much better. I think that little bit of pressure maybe on him now with, with some competition in his position will help. Um, and I thought Tierney was, was you know, as, as usual, lively, positive. You know, he's so composed down the left, isn't he? And uh, uh, there are a lot of positives in, in what could have been a, you know, what it turned out to be some drop points. Um, but I'm happy with, with, with a lot of what I saw yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Um, Darren, what do you think yes. at the moment about... Uh, I mean, I think that Arteta's doing an exceptional job, really, shuffling the pack, uh, really. And uh, going to the the back three, I don't believe it's going to be a permanent fixture. It's, he's trying to make the most of a of the squad that he's got available to him at the moment and uh, sticking to their strengths. How are you feeling about uh, that? The way that we're setting up, the way we're actually playing football at the moment? Because... Richard Butler in the comments has put... Hi there, Richard, by the way. And thanks for watching. He said, every game we've struggled second half since the lockdown. I'm not sure. I mean, I think we were fantastic for the 90, really, uh, against um, Wolves the other day. I think it was one of the perfect sort of away performance. How are you feeling about the way we're playing and the way we set the, that he's setting us up at the moment and the back three in particular? I think, I mean, if we can t- take a step back... <coughs> Excuse me. God, it's a long time since I've podcasted. Look, the voice has gone. I think <laughs> the strange thing for me, I don't know about how you lot all feel, but during this lockdown, we've gone through a strange, strange time in our lives. And I've been following Arsenal all my life. It's been my church. It's, it's you know, I'm not religious, but I've been going to Highbury and then the Emirates every couple of weeks all my life. And I was really worried because when we had this little lockdown, I lost my enthusiasm a bit. I didn't want the season to restart. I haven't listened to a podcast. I haven't recorded any. And I was worried that, you Thanks know, for the support. It, it's going to be the end. And yet I am so pumped up about this team at the moment. I'm so pumped up about watching Arsenal again, more so than before the break. You know, it's just like, mm. it's watching an Arsenal team that's coherent, that's fighting together, that's working together. And we know it's not perfect. And with the group of players we've got, we know there's work to do. But just how much fun is it again to be supporting a team that's fighting for, for 90 minutes? I mean, there's a couple of things. At the back three, I think it might be his way forward because Louise and, and, and Mari both play better in a back five. Tierney looks exceptional as a, as a wing back. We know he can play as a left back, but he also looks exceptional as a, as a wing back. He's got more than one cross in him. He doesn't always look up, but he, he's got that pull back to the, to the penalty spot mm. that they know. He, he drives that cross in low and hard, and they all know that. Um, and, you know, on the other side, we don't know. Is Bellerin going to be up to it after his injury? We don't know. But I think the back three is working. If I can take exception mm. with Sebastian, said never met you before, love you. I think we've got a real downer on Lacazette that's hung over from, from the last, you know, 12 months. It was only, what, 24 months ago that it was our player of the year. And I think as a, a man who almost feels like I've come back to watching Arsenal, Lacazette, to me, has done everything we've wanted from a centre-forward, except banging the goals. But a good striker gets in the positions and he is back in that place where he is having chance after chance and they will start going in. He's working hard, he's holding the ball up well um, and I think he's been you know, exceptionally good. But we've got these glasses on that we've had for the last 12 months because he wasn't up for it. You know, He wasn't good, he wasn't good. But I think if you could look at just since we've come back, I think he's been as good as anyone playing in that position. And I think, you know, we all talk about, uh, I think you mentioned it, Andrew, fatigue. That's the thing that's killing us. We have played more and we're playing a pressing game. 
and it's natural. I thought for the last 25 minutes, we just looked like we'd had enough. You know, we were just tired. They were mm. running on empty. But I'm just so happy to be Arsenal again. I'm just so happy that they seem to have all bought into Arteta and they're all working their nuts off. I love it. Love it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I, feel, I feel the same way, really. I think it's been fantastic. I, of course, I was disappointed. But the good thing is about the game yesterday for me was the fact that I was really disappointed and felt like a loss after drawing to Leicester. You know, and let's, let's face it, month, a few months ago, the thought of, of drawing against Leicester, I mean, we were, we were being set up to actually go for a draw. You know, you know what I mean? So the actual result of a draw against Leicester, I think we would have been delighted a while ago, but because they were, they are a really good team, you know, and they're a better team than, than us a, a while ago. But we showed yesterday... That we should have, we should have won, and so that's why it felt a little bit like a loss at the end of the game. But you know, you have to reflect afterwards, which I did, and it, I think it was just, you know, it's it's so much to look forward to. And Melvin, you know, what about yourself? Um, have you got any extra thoughts that we haven't really sort of maybe touched on yet about the game yesterday, uh, about the way we've been set up, you know, and taking everything into account? How do you, how are you feeling about things at the moment, and uh, particularly happy, the game actually. yesterday? Andrew, I'm quite happy, actually, because I thought there can't be many teams who have created so many chances, good chances, against this Leicester team. they got a decent defence. And we could have, on our day, mm. if everything went in, which it never does in the first half, got about four goals. And we did run out of steam second half. But the, the great thing is, one of the big qualities mm. of a decent manager is having the players play for you. And they definitely play for him, which is a big difference to what we've had in the last few years. So I'm very, very happy the way he's done that. He's, he's obviously, a, you know, the way I like the way he sets our team up. He thinks about it. Um, you know, it's not his fault that the players are tired and they are tired. Perhaps we need certain other players in certain positions. I, I, what I think, though, certain players, don't have to mention for the moment, have really up their game, really up their since our set has taken over. But with all that, they're still not good enough. There's a couple of players who really like doubled in everything they've done. And that's the see that shows how bad they really were for us. They've actually really, really put in a sting that their performances has gone up, but still they're not quite there. And I don't think they will be. I think this is the best some of those players will play now for us. We'll not accept that. Yeah, yeah. Stan, I come to you on this one. I think Danny Ceballos literally bossed the midfield for the first half. I think he was fantastic. What are your thoughts on him? How would you sort of like to progress with him? Or would you, you know, think it'd be best for him to go back to Real Madrid in the summer? Well, I think on the podcast that I've been on with you before, before lockdown, looking at Danny Sabias's performances at that part of the season, other than the Burnley game, I was always of an opinion that I thought that we could do better than Danny Ceballos. And the point of whether we should uh, keep him or not, I always think is a bit of a moot point because I've, it, Danny Ceballos, from the day he came to Arsenal, has always indicated that you know his long-term desire is to go back and play for Madrid. If not Madrid, maybe in Spain. So even if we wanted to pursue him, it might be a moot point if the player doesn't want to come. But since lockdown has been back... I have to say that he's impressed me immensely. The last three or four games or so, um, like you say, and I think I used a phrase in a tweet about him, he's bossing games. 
So I like what I'm seeing from him. And maybe it's a case that it's just taking him a little longer to bed in. So I'm interested to see how he progresses for the rest of the season. Uh, if he continues in the way that he's been playing, I think that he would be a, a useful addition to the team. But my only worry is, is that if he shows us, uh, you know, this side of him and, it, and, and his performances maintain this level of consistency, it's whether he wants to stay in England. I've, always, I've just got this nagging feeling that there's a bit of the touch of the, the Jose, you know, Reyes about him. You know, he sort of misses his mum's paella at the weekends, going down to the beach, you know, siestas, that sort of way of living in Spain. I'm not sure whether he wants to stay in a rainy London, if that makes any sense. No, no, it does. It does. I, I don't get that impression about him personally. I think he's, uh, he looks, he looks like he gets arsed. I think I said this a few weeks ago and it's, he, it's a strange thing to say and it's, it's hard to sort of uh, quantify, but he looks like he gets Arsenal. He, he wants to buy in to what we're doing and uh, I get that impression about him. He, I don't think there's anyone in the squad that celebrates a goal more than him. You know, um, I don't know. I just, I've just got a sneaking suspicion that he, he would... I mean, I don't think we can afford to buy him, but I would definitely want to loan him again for another season. Look, Rowan, one thing I'll, I'll come to you on. I think, and this is from the listening to the Arsecast this, this morning, or this you know, lunchtime, whatever, earlier on today, and they made a really good point. Um, because he's coming on a loan, it's almost expected that he has to hit the ground running because we've only got him for 12 months, technically. But when you buy someone like Pepe, it's almost, you know, a lot of fans say, well, you've got to, got to give him a few months or, you know, to bed in because he's on a four-year, five-year contract. You've got to give him that time to settle into the country, blah, blah, blah. But Ceballos hasn't got that luxury. You know, he's, he's a young guy coming from Spain and he's not going to get that sort of bedding in period People expect him to hit the ground running straight away. I, I think it has taken him a bit of a time. We can't forget the fact that he was out for nearly three months with injury. Let's, let's forget. Don't forget. So I think he is, it is taking him a bit of a, a while to actually settle into the league. He looks stronger to me. He is looking tired. He looks the same as a lot of the players. But I think he's finally sort of properly settling in now at this point, which is a real shame to me if we have to let him go now uh, because... It's taken him a while to, to, to adapt to the league. What are your thoughts on that? Rowan, sorry. Oh, so Rowan, I thought you said Ryan. Yeah, no, uh, I think that uh, we're only seeing the best of him right now. I, this this team was dysfunctional for half the season, right? Like, And, you know, I've, I've followed mm. us for about, like, 18, 19 years, and then you know this was the worst season that I've seen in my in my lifetime. And uh, you know, in that, it's just been so dysfunctional that you can't even count the first half, of course, uh, first half of the season. And uh, you know, Danny Sabayos, when he played against Burnley, I thought that he was he was the guy to take us forward. But then the way it progressed, he wasn't getting chances. He was out of the team. He was injured. His body language wasn't good. And I sort of lost faith in him. And I thought that we could do better because our midfield is dire right now, right? Like, we, we, we're empty in that in that department, which is 
what is leading to a lot of our problems, which is what is leading to this change in formation and all of that, right? Like our midfield and defense is not doing well. But in the past few games against Burnley, against Sheffield, against Leicester yesterday in the first half, Danny Ceballos showed that he could be the guy to sort of take us forward. But if the question is, should we splash the cash and get him in for maybe a 35, 40 million? I still think there are other areas that we need to address first and and then and then sort of get look at Ceballos. But if that's another year's loan, then I'd be happy to take that. You know, uh, a year's loan would be would be a good idea. Mm. Signing him for 35, 40 million in this market, depending on what we are spending on and where and the other areas in defensive midfield, attacking midfield, number eight maybe, center back. If if the strikers go, then a striker. You know, those departments are more important right now than than Danny Sabayas. Yeah. Exactly. Ryan, I've been so impressed with um, our goalkeeper. I think he's been incredible since he came back in. Do you, is he really properly putting up uh, a, a fight for the number one shirt with Leno, as far as you're concerned? You had to give me the goalie. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely. I mean, I said I said on the watch along. I've said on multiple podcasts. I'll put it out there. I uh, I prefer Matt Macy over Martinez. I said that, and I meant it. Uh, he is playing out of his out of his mind. He's he's impressed me. He's made me eat my words. He's made me look like a fool multiple times, especially right now. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, I I still don't know if he could take Leno's spot because I I just think. Uh, I don't know. I think I might have said it yesterday, but the way I see it is what Le- Leno wins us points. Leno gets us points. Whereas Martinez is just someone that, you know, he does his job. You're good. He does a great job. Uh, he could distribute the ball a lot better than Leno, but I, I just, I can't, I don't know. I, I can't, you know, he, and the fact that Lerm, uh, Leno is German, I think just kind of sways me a little, but uh, I, I mean, I, I, there's, nothing, there's nothing more I can say. I'm just, I'm, uh, he's making me eat my words, and I, I'm I'm happy to. I'm happy to take a slice of humble pie, but definitely uh, should be challenging for that number one spot. Uh, let's see, you know, what he does against you know likes like Liverpool and uh, Tottenham on Sunday. Yeah, I think it, it's premature. He's doing brilliantly at the moment, and let's just hope it stays that way. And that's just. I think he's been so patient, waiting for his his chance. And when he's got his chance, he's taking it with both hands, which is good for a goalkeeper. But I think um, we need two quality players for every position and for them to push each other for that role. So I think it's only going to be healthy. And the only winner in in this is Arsenal long-term, that we've got two quality... When was the last time we had two real good quality goalkeepers? I I really can't remember in my lifetime, I don't think. I mean, we had uh, Stuart Taylor was our reserve goalkeeper for years when, you know, back in the early days when we had David Seaman and so on. He was never would have pushed David Seaman. I mean, well, not a lot of people would, but I can't remember the last time we had two, uh, you know, so many good players for that position. So I'm pleased. I was just um, in there. Didn't we have Sedgney and the other on, yeah, West Ham? They were two decent. Sedgney we had. Which and the sorry? other, the one that's now at West Ham. 
The one at West Ham. Who's the West Ham goalkeeper? Oh, I never, Fabianski. 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 I was never. Fabianski. I was, he wasn't very good for us, though, was he? He's good now. Yeah, he's very good now, actually. Chesney was good. Chesney, I love Chesney. I mean, I really love Chesney. Andrew, can I make... I didn't think he was ever good for Arsenal. He came good later. Go for it, Bit. Just on... on, It wasn't uh, Tanner, wasn't it? Yeah. To to Ryan's point, um, with the goalkeeper, one thing to keep in mind, too, I think, is is the team is playing better in front of him than than we were with with Leno and Nett, too. So that's... And I don't want to put. Well, I don't want to take anything away from what. That's I mean, excellent point. Yeah. But you know, let's let's get to next season and have this conversation when and and hopefully the the you know the fellas in the front in front of the goalkeeper are playing as well as they are right now. So I think that's something to keep in mind as well. You know, the, the boys in front of Emmy Martinez are, are helping him look really good right now too. So. It's it's a very good point. Sorry, I'll come to you after Darren. Sorry, I was just going to say, um, just just to, to your point, um, if you think back to those early weeks of the the season under the Unai Emery uh, era, think how many shots we were conceding against the opposition. Yeah, they even at yeah. home they were having you know twenty shots on target versus our five or six. Um, poor Leno, um, you know, without him this season. God knows where we'd be in that league, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if Martinez has done enough yet to to rival him for that place, but he's going to push him, that's for sure. And uh, I think uh, I think he he's enjoying his time from 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 what you read now at the club and this this time in the first team. But now he's been first choice for a while through injury. Is he going to want to hang around and 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 sit on the bench again next season and play? Europa League games, if we happen to get there, or you know, if we don't get there, even less games. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, the only winner is Arsenal out of this because if he did, did decide to do that, then he has certainly put himself in a shop window, and his prices certainly would have gone up over the last few games if we did, did decide to uh, sort of let him go. But um, maybe if he, cause I feel terrible about putting him out of the team the way he's been playing, maybe he could take uh, Kalasanac's place. In the back, back three, you know, he's got great distribution, hasn't he? Hey, Darren, it was only a quickie on that. I just heard a really good You're stat. On mute. Uh, no, I'm not. I wasn't on mute. Can you hear me? Oh, you. Oh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, your, your mouth was moving though. To put it that way, <laughs> it never stops. Now, it's just an interesting stat I heard. Um, if um, Arteta and Unai Emery have now. Uh, managed this season the same amount of games. I think they both had 17 each in the league, and they've scored almost exactly with the team has scored almost exactly the same amount of goals, something like 25, 26 goals, and yet we let in half as many under Arteta. It's 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 kind of mm. weird. That is what he's corrected. You know, we're not scoring any more goals, but he has at least made that defence a lot more solid than it was. Just I thought it was an interesting stat. Both played 17 games this season. Both scored pretty much exactly the same of goals, but he's letting half the amount of goals that Arteta, that Unai Emery's side did. It's uh, about a third of the amount of shots as well. That's the shots against, you know, that we've uh, allowed on our goal. And, you know, that side is a great point. You know, he has uh, had a much easier ride in lots of cases than Leno did. And I, I personally think Leno's probably, over the last two years, been one of our best players alongside Absolutely. Aubameyang, you know. So it'd be hugely, 
premature to say that he should be stay at number one. You know, I, I think Leno deserves to go back in. But it's great that we've got two great goalkeepers now. Um, James Johnston, yeah, Jack, Seaman and Manigara, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, I think, it, how long, yeah, we had him for about a year, did we, I think, Manninger? But yeah, he was a good uh, understudy, and when he came into the team, I think it was about nine games. He was incredible, wasn't he, uh, during that period? Um, Richard Butler, love watching us again for the first time in about three years. I couldn't agree more, Richard. I, it was a chore watching us uh, last season. Uh, Stan, he's Tony Turner. Thanks for watching, Tony. He said, Stan, would you swap Gwendozi for Sabios? Chance would be a fine thing. I mean, can you imagine uh, Zizi working with Gwendozi? I can't. I think no, I, would, I wouldn't do that. Stan, I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that myself. I wouldn't. I don't uh, think it'd be an option, would it? No. Can I go to you, uh, Basti, on Gwendozi? I'm delighted with the way that he is um, being treated by Arteta because the, what I've heard is that he, they've had a, a, a you know meeting between Arteta, Gwendozi. I think Edu was involved. He has turned down all the opportunities of buying into Arteta, uh, the you know the standards, and also I've heard some really not disturbing, probably not the right word, but really distasteful information about him that he's really rude and arrogant to all the staff of the club as well, which I really don't like. He's he's not pleasant to to deal with, you know, for the the staff around the club. And I I hate that. I mean, that's really disrespectful and arrogant. Um, I was... uh, I put a tweet out. When he first joined, he he was just just after he joined... I'm sure it was his 18th birthday, but I don't know whether that tallies up with the amount of time he's been with us. It might have been his 19th, but there was a video went out at that point when he was lauding it. Bearing in mind, I don't even think he'd played for us much at that particular point. And uh, hanging out of this big, you know, limo, celebrating his birthday with all these women and all this sort of stuff. And (laughs) no problem. Absolutely fine. I'd love to have done that when I was 18 or 19. But it, it made me think, oh, I didn't want to see that because it made me think, oh, he thinks he's made it already. And very quickly, that video disappeared off all internet platforms. You can't find it now. Yeah, so, well, I, yeah, I think I've been proven right. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't down. know about. Go on, Basti. I don't know about his uh, private life or how he's, you know, behaves off the pitch. Um, Obviously, um, you're, you know, uh, as you say, it doesn't sound very good. Um, you know, you look at a player like Saka being interviewed, you know, he's a young man, humble, wants to get his head down, you know, work mm. for the club. And you know, if you're going to be a professional footballer, you know, I mean, I was a party child when I was 18, uh, 19, 20, but I wasn't playing for a premiership football team. Um and if you're going to do that, you've got to be a serious person, you know. And I, I don't know whether Guendouzi is. And it reflected on, for me as well, personally, his style of play. Uh, I've, I've never been a fan. And um, so I'm not too upset to, to see him not being picked. And remarkably, hey-ho, suddenly we're looking pretty good without him. Um, I don't think, you know, he did have a lot of people who would, mm. you know, if you... 
criticised him. They'd stand up for him and, you know, he's only young and give him a chance and all that. But I, I just didn't see it. Some people, you, you straight away think, oh, this kid's got it. He's going to, you know. And uh, and sometimes, you know, look, we're, we're fans. We all get it wrong. I mean, I, you know, I criticised Thierry Henry when he came to Arsenal. And, and I, <laughs> I certainly ate humble pie over that one. But uh, I don't think when Guzzi's anywhere close to that sort of player, um, and I just don't think he's got the maturity, certainly not at the moment, to be holding up an Arsenal midfield. Um, and yes, I'd certainly prefer Ceballos just because I think, you know, he's a more serious player, uh, and we need we need we need a couple of serious players in midfield. You know, um, that, that's that's the bottom line really. And I, I, the same actually sort of goes for Özil, and I know people are going to be yeah. going. Oh, you can't slag off Ozil, but I'm not missing him, you know, on the pitch, to be oh, honest with you. Word. Don't that word. We've, got, oh. we've got a team now that wants to fight for each other, um, and you can really see that. And I loved it against Wolves when Arteta was going, talking to them and going like that, and they're all like, yeah, you know, we're in this together. And we need that old Victoria Concordia Cresset, you know, victory through harmony thing now and work like a team. There's no, there's, there's no, uh, there's no I in team, yeah. you know, and I think there's a lot of I in Granduzzi, you know. No, and Urzel too, for that matter. Very but, much uh, so. Why? Yeah, I, I, I um, I love I like about the way Arteta is dealing with it, and I'll come to you in a second. Yeah. yeah, what I love about that uh, is the he's removed him from the group completely. So to make him train on his own, and he's got rid of the negativity, so he's not around the players, and I love that. That's absolutely fantastic. And the fact is, through his choices, he he's, he's in effect, he's in effect gone on strike when we need him at the end of this season. We're really short of players in this running because we can't rotate uh, Sabios and Jacker very well. Not that he would should rotate uh, Jack, um, yeah, Jacker too much. I don't think, but we need we could do with him at the moment. Just, just you know, even if it's the last 20, 30 minutes of a game. But the, but what he's doing, he's taking himself out of contention, which is almost like putting himself on strike. Stan, what, what, you wanted to say something on it? Yeah, um, I was looking at something earlier, which was written by one of uh, Gwen Doozy's former managers, uh, Bernard Cassoni. And this is what he had to say about his time and his, his experience uh, working with Matteo. He said that Guendouzi's problem is not physical and it's not technical. It's his attitude. It's not good for the team or the coach. My, my relationship with him wasn't very good. I picked him for a cup game against Nice, but he got booked early on. The ref told me at half-time to warn Guendouzi, one more foul and you're off. But in the second half, nothing changed. I was left with no choice but to sub him off. When I did, he refused to shake my hand. He then featured just once more that season. The next, Landrio, this is another manager, took over as the manager. Guendouzi fell out with him as well and was excluded from the team for three months. Landrio, he took his job seriously. His training was no problem. and his, uh, Sorry, he took his job seriously. His training was no problem and his character to always want to win. Sometimes when he talks, it's good, but sometimes he talks badly. This is about Guendouzi. He talks too much. His talent isn't in question. That's not the issue. He can be a top, top player, and I think he can still succeed abroad. It's up to him to change his attitude. So this is the sort of... Uh, my, 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 ready, my, my question after reading that is, is that when you go and scout a player, this is the sort of information that you, you need to be getting up front. 
so that you know exactly what you're investing your money in. And, I, and I'd like, you know, surely if you see a talent and, and you're getting that kind of information, you're going to think twice. But it does also show that, you know, if you look at what happened, uh, if you look at what happened with Guendouzi, right, at his time at Arsenal, he's acted up under Emery. He was uh, reprimanded by Teta for incidents with teammates. He was reprimanded by Adu for embarrassing himself at a team dinner in Dubai. And then obviously we've got the Brighton and the way that he dealt with the meeting when he was brought in to be disciplined. So, you know, as much as some people seem to like him, I was never a big fan of his style of play. Um, you know, every time he gets the ball, he wants to dribble away with it like Ronaldinho instead of looking for the good pass. And invariably, when he dribbles off like Ronaldinho, he turns the ball over and puts the team on the back foot. So if we can sell him for like 40 million or so or, or, or do some kind of a deal where we bring in something like a Thomas Party, then this is the model that the club said that we were going to work to. They said that we would be outsmarting the market and that we would be a self-sustaining model. And if we can shift him on and bring in a Partey or get 40 odd million in, then that's, what, that's the model that we're working to. And I'm happy with that. Mm. I'll come to you in a sec, uh, Ryan. Sorry, you put your hand Second up. Did you say something as well? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think it's a shame that um, his attitude seems to be this way because one of the biggest criticisms that I think we all had of Emery was that the players didn't seem to know what they were doing. And sitting there watching them week after week, the midfield especially, seemed completely disconnected from the people behind it in defence and then the strikers up front. And Genduzzi... Jacker, Ceballos, whoever it was, would get the ball and they'd look around not really knowing what the game plan was. Everybody in that team under Arteta now knows exactly what their role is and exactly what they should be doing and what the plan for that game is. And you can yeah. see that when the way Jacker and Ceballos, you know, in the last two or three games especially, the way they've played, the way they've been consistent throughout the game. And if Ganduzi was sensible, you know, he would be look at the coach that he's got in front of him there and see someone who can make him better. And can be, he, he can be the guy that can stop him. You know, we've all read the comments and said them ourselves. Um, you know, he, he sort of gets the ball and he runs around the pitch a little bit like a headless chicken. He's here, there and everywhere. That's a great attribute to have in your game, but you have to do something with it. And mm. if he was, you know, in, in Arteta's good books and listening to the coaching he was getting, it could turn him into a top player. Um, but I think the way things are, you know, there has to be a, a change. Otherwise, Arteta will carry on on this path and he's not going to be here for long enough to, to benefit. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I do like Grenduzzi, a lot, a lot about Grenduzzi. I really do. And I was really looking forward to him working under Arteta. And, and the fact that he's just given up that opportunity is so frustrating because he's exactly the type of player we should be buying. Absolutely. And Ryan, what did you want to say? Uh, no, just kind of Stan's point of uh, the whole the transcripts with the coach and all that. And I I read it this morning and I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. But to me, that's the kind of person we should be bringing to this club because he came from Laurent, a small a small fish in a small pond. Coming to here, he's a small fish in a big pond. And I think that's the perfect cl- – I'm not going to say we're the perfect club. We're not. But uh, a club as big as us, we should be – changing his attitude. That should, have, that should have been the first thing we should have done. And we didn't. And I don't, I'm not going to blame us. I'm not going to blame him. I think that's kind of just a mix of both. But uh, I won't lie. I'm, I'm a huge Ganduzi fan. Uh, probably probably was a bigger fan a, a couple weeks ago. But um, I, I think the problem with his game and he's such a – I mean, let's face it, most of these players are very divisive and there's always 
pro anti there's no in between is he plays like he plays like Maitland Niles but then he plays like a Jaka he dribbles too much when, or either either he stops and he defends or he takes the ball and dribbles too much he needs to he needs to do one or the other he needs to either be that passer be that creator or be the I don't want to say the Jaka because I think Jaka is absolute shit but be, be that defender be the one that hangs back and make because he's because he could do that he could recover the ball he can make interceptions and I don't care. You guys can laugh at me, make fun of me. He has a better pass than Granit Xhaka by a mile. There are some passes that he's made in the Premier League that are stunning. I want to say it was a Burnley game um, and the Villa game. He made some crazy good passes, but I my memory kind of you know is eluding me. Too much weed, but uh, yeah. But I mean, um, <laughs> it's just it's a it's a shame, really. And but like I'm not gonna. But in the in the in being an admirer an admirer of his, I completely am taking the stand and. If he wants to do this, then fuck you, man. Go train alone. And if you're not going to buy into this, you're not going to buy into this and let us try to help you because Arteta's trying to help him. I know he's he's one of those like 13-year-old, 14-year-olds who just, you know, thinks he knows the, he knows everything. He knows life's answers. He has the world by the balls. But, he, you know, someone needs to wake him up because he's just going to be another Balotelli and he's going to just go from club to club and, you know, nothing's going to come of it. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a journeyman like uh... – a less successful club-wise, uh, uh, Nicholas Anelka, you know, thinking he's bigger than every club he goes to and ends up playing at Bolton. You know, that's the problem, isn't it? It's um, You put your hand up, Darren, and then I'll I come just to you say, after. I mean, I, I agree with what Ryan well. said there at the end. I'm a Guendouzi fan, always have been. I think he had something that our club hasn't had for a while. And I think it's almost, if he'd have come through our academy, we'd all love him. I think it's as simple as that. When you compare him with Saka and you say, and you listen to Saka, who does his interview and he's really nice and he's really proud to be Arsenal, and he's like, that's because he's been at Arsenal for 10 years and he's been taught the proper way. We've got a real rough diamond mm. in Gendouzi, who his attitude at the moment stinks. And I'm with Arteta if he's not going to toe the line and stick him out in the reserves, do what you need to do to try and give him the opportunity to come back. But he. He's been such, I think he's just a breath of fresh air. And what we've said for years that we haven't got any players in our, our club that show any fight. And what, what does he do? He's grabbing Malpai around the throat at the end of the game after scoring a winner. I like mm. that. I'm, I'm, I want that sort of player. What we've got is a manager now, and I hope Arteta gets it right. But we've mentioned it in the last five minutes. We've got Ozil and we've got Guendouzi. Ozil, oh, one of the best players in world football, who now our manager and our club can't get to play and be part of the team. And now we've got another one, Gunduzi, where you're talking about selling for 40 million with his attitude and playing in the reserves. We won't get that. What is our club doing to try and get these people to grow up? It's going to take time. He's a very, very, very good player. And playing in Emery's midfield, where there was no discipline, no game plan, he did play like a headless chicken. Under our territory, should learn. But I don't think we should just discount him and say, get rid of him. I think he's a great player. I just, yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said, Darren. I, I, I love his passion and the way he plays. He, firstly, I mean, the way he grabbed that guy around the neck, I mean, that was just, he needs to channel that, all that aggression on the pitch during the match, not at the end of it. It's like one of those, hold me back, hold me back type of kids, you know, outside the pub on a Saturday night. You know, that's the annoying thing. But he needs to, it's like, um, a, a, a smoker wants to give up and goes to hypnotherapy, but don't listen to a word the hypnotist is saying. Then you know it don't work. You have to buy into it, don't you? You have but to Andrew, have that willpower look, I think and get want to do it. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, I just think, but we've mentioned it earlier. I think uh, Sebastian said what he was like when he was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. 
when you haven't been at a club like Arsenal and you've been media trained to death and you've been told about responsibility and done all this work in a classroom to realise the standards that you have to be to get to the top, we've not. We've got him from, you know, a second He grew up at per- PSG, though, Darren. Yeah, he yeah, had and, and he, he had fell out there because he thought he was better than that. All I'm saying is, is that I think he will look back in five years' time and he might just regret this, but he is 18, 19, 20, and isn't it our job to develop... He's 21 now. Oh, 21. Well, the 21. And, and the thing is, he, not only did he come up through PSG, but he came up through Clairefontaine, which is very, very uh, professional. So he hasn't, he can't, he hasn't got that excuse. So he's got to channel everything into wanting to be a better player. You know, Best I was really worried about him. I said openly, yeah, I said openly on the podcast several times that I was worried with him playing every week, every game under Emery because he was learning terrible habits on the pitch and I couldn't wait for him to get working with Arteta because I, I knew that he would be able to become a tech a really good technical player and get some you know and, and I think he could be a brilliant player one of the best in the world in the long run but he's not got the mentality and that, that's what worries me and the way that he's been treat, uh, treating the club and Arteta and in his teammates I'm really happy that he is being Discipline like this by Arteta and taken out of the group situation, and I, but I do hope more than anything that he does what AMN has done, what Sabios has done, uh, because they had the same treatment from Arteta, but they decided that they wanted to be on the bus or on the boat, as Arteta was saying, and they've actually knuckled down and become really integral parts of the team again. Uh, Melvin. Well, I think we're talking about a different kettle of fish here to the players you've mentioned. Saka, because he's like um, Darren said, he's come through our academy. The other players, it wasn't because of arrogance. It was something else. I think it's inbred with him now. I don't think he's a type of character. So, you know what? I was wrong. I'll listen now. I think he believes he's better than what he is. He doesn't show any respect to the management or the club, whatever club that is or whatever manager that is. So, I, I as much as I'd love to see him make it with us, I think we've either got a Say, you know what, get on with it. We just play you. We don't like you, but what you do on the pitch is good enough. But at the moment, what he has been doing on the pitch is not good enough for him to get away with any of these situations. So for me, I think I think we've got to get rid of him. I really do. I don't think, I think there is room for improvement as a footballer. That, sadly, but sadly, I disruption there will, 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 do, will be poor for the team, poor for the club. And if you see players like that getting away with murder and showing disrespect, that can very quickly go through the whole team. Exactly, yeah. That's the problem. And I, I'm worried that that's, that is the case. I do, I say I, I agree with you, but I'm worried that that is the case because apparently he was very disrespectful to all the, the senior pros at PSG as well, which is why he demanded a move. He wanted to play at 16, which is great. You know, I love that ambition and everything. But again, it, it wasn't... <laughs> You know, it, it was channeled in the right way. It was, it was silly. Yeah, he ain't an Eric Cantona, though, is he? I mean, Who knows? Jesus, he's got his own he spirit. Was, G- if he was, then he'd play every week. People in the crowd. Who knows? <laughs> you can harness that I mean, if he, had the, if, if he had half that talent of Eric Cantona, then I wouldn't give a shit. He'd put him in the, I think, the pitch I every think, week. But can I just... unfortunately, he ain't. Hi, Andrew. Yeah, go on. Yeah, just briefly, I mean, I think the last three or four results since he's stopped being in the midfield have spoken for themselves, really. Um, We just look better without him. 
you know, regardless of, we've only got a, a little bit of season left. You know, are you going to risk that by playing a player who's going to unsettle what is, it, undoubtedly, we have been better without him the last couple of games, you know. Um, and so uh, whatever happens in the summer and how they deal with him, I don't know. But uh, I feel a lot more comfortable without him in the side now, watching Arsenal. Um, and, you know, it was, it's pretty basic, really. It's just, uh, as someone else, Stan mentioned it earlier, you know, he does have this tendency to hang on to the ball and kind of, I'm going to show you, rather than just find a simple pass, which is a problem with, with, with our team in general. Just sometimes, just pass the fucking ball. The guy's right next to you, pardon my French. You know, no, I'm going to show you I can play football. You know, it's like, well... Just, you know, and that's what we did the first half yesterday. Ping, ping, ping. We were passing first time. It was looking great, you know. It was. Uh, Andrew, um, one, I, one, sorry, to, I've got to go because I've got to do another podcast at eight o'clock. Really, thank you to see everyone. One final point on, on Gondizi. You said with the last four games speak for themselves. David Louise and Mustafi were both in our defence for those last four games. And I bet most of you thought they should have left the club as well at some point. Well, but they've listened. They've listened to... Louise is a cunt. Everyone's got to go. Oh, Louise is terrible. Must have, he's got to be out of the club. You know, no, but you just said, but they listened. you just drop a hand grenade and then fuck off. They're, that's great, isn't it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> You'll sort they're, it out. They're players, they're players that... All of us, every one of you nine, all of you playing celebrity squares tonight or Hollywood squares, whatever it's called around the world, every one of you wanted Mustafi to leave the club. Uh, Still at, do. At the, you know. Still um, do. Well, okay, Absolutely. but the majority of has he not been our best defender? David Lewis, two weeks ago, nightmare. But what good can he do? Can he not take Gendouzi under his arm? Uh, uh, you know, they were all saying that everyone likes uh, David Lewis in the club. They, he's really good for the team. He's a senior player. They all really like him. Gunduzi should be able to learn from those players, and then maybe we can harness that talent. Sorry, lads. Really nice yeah. talking to you all. Got to Put go. him on loan to Burnley. Great having you on, Darren. See you again soon. See you guys. Thank you. Really good. Yeah, really good to meet you. See you. Cheers. See ya. I, uh, I, I sadly don't think he's got the. Uh, do, you, I, do you honestly think? I mean, I'll come to you, Rowan. Do you honestly think that Arteta hasn't tried all that, everything, to get the best out of Gunduzi? Because I certainly believe that he would have done. No, of course he has because, uh, you know, the thing with Windowsy is that I love his passion for the game. You know, he's got he's got good passion, but if it's unchanneled, then it is destructive to the team, right? Till yeah. now, in the past almost two seasons, he's not shown me exactly what he's good at. You know, he's, he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's not a box-to-box. I, I beg to defer that he doesn't have that passing range, or at least he hasn't shown that to me. I haven't seen his his long passing range, uh, you know. So, given all of that, what he should be concentrating on is bettering his skills, you know, improving his skills instead of trying to, you know, just show that he's made it, right? Like, to me, what happened in the Brighton game was a facade, right? Like, he's trying to show passion once the 90 minutes are done. Where was that that passion during the 90 minutes when we needed it, right? There was no passion exactly. there. We got done by a by a one-two. You know, that's that's how we conceded our final goal. Do you think there was any passion in the team at that point? There was none whatsoever. No. But what I'm what what I do think is that Arteta has shown with Maitland Niles and with Sabayos that he's willing to make a U-turn. He has his judgment is not set in stone. 
Exactly. And how many chances did he give Ozil? Oh, God, I can't believe I said that name. But yeah, how many chances has he had? And he's, he's thrown them all back in his face. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm not going to go down the Ozil rabbit hole. I'm sorry, but I do think I do want to move on from Guendouzi a little bit as well. But uh, I do think Arteta. Stan, did you? Want... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. no just sorry. very briefly, I think Arteta. Arteta is he, he knows what he wants, and if there's someone who's not going to fit into that, he's going to say, "Right, see you, mate. Right, I've got you know. I want every man on that pitch." Giving one hundred percent, battling away, and I don't want. He, he doesn't. He's he's not going to be settling. You know, time wasters. I know it sounds like a bit of a, a cliche, but he he. I think he is a very serious guy, Arteta. I feel very comfortable with him being manager, and I, I think that he's someone. He's 100%. just not going to suffer fools. You know, simple as that. Very black and white. If you if you if you're going to yeah. pull together. Fine. He's a bit. He's got a bit of the old George Graham in him as well, which has shown in the back four. And I love it. I mean, I'm feeling really optimistic about the future because this season, all right, look, it was, we're never going to achieve much this season. But for the long-term future under Arteta, I am feeling absolutely fantastic about Arsenal. No, me too. But, Tanner? Yeah, just, just real quick um, on the Guendouzi thing. It, it, I think right now this we're, we're not a team... That is, we're set for the long term. So, how do I want to? Basically, my point is everybody has a price right now. We have other holes in this team to fill. And if Guendouzi can be sold for 30 or 40 million, then you, then you do it because we can put that money to use in another area to solidify and strengthen the squad there. Um, you, I, I just, right now, with everything that, that Stan said about, you know, prior coaches, do you really want to risk losing 40 million on the potential that he might turn it around in a year, two years, three years? My answer is absolutely not. I, if somebody comes in with that, now somebody comes in with a low ball offer of 15 million, then I, eh, nope, I'm going to hold out because I think I can get a better deal, even if it's next summer. But if somebody comes in with 30 million, 40 million, and where do I? I'll, I'll I'll swim across the Atlantic Ocean and I'll drive him to wherever he needs to go. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I actually think Arteta's probably quite a patient coach if he sees the potential in someone. But with everything that's happened this year to football, the lack of crowds, the money situation that all clubs are going to be facing, I actually think the money side of it will actually force Arsenal's hand more with Genduzi if they get an offer that is forty million pounds. Arteta's going to be persuaded uh, and the management team at Arsenal are going to be persuaded to invest that somewhere else because there are so many areas where Arteta will want to see some improvement, be it a better midfielder. You know, we, we, we could have a bit of a crisis up front if, if a Bamiyang is sold because he won't sign a new contract. Wow, we're going to need some money up front to invest. So, if, see, I, I think the financial side is probably going to weigh more heavily now on the decision on what happens to Gendouzi. I think this is the ultimate test. He, he, people forget this. He was on the he got into the French squad. Yeah, as a reserve player, but he got into the team. They're the, the world. They're the they're the reigning World Cup champions. He, he I mean, this is the real test. He, he need this has got to be his ultimate goal, right? To make to be in the French squad to play for the French team to really show everyone to really it's it because that's what he is. He it, he to me he, he's big dick swinging. He doesn't do anything amazing. So all he does, he wants to get the ball and show everybody, hey, he's the he's the guy when you play pickup football games, 
that, yeah, he's the best player on the field, but he does everything. And you just you don't want to play with him because he tries to, to play everyone's position. He's the one screaming at you, do this, do that. It's like, guy, I'm playing pickup football. I'm not, this is, I'm not getting paid to do this. This is not a thing. And, but I, I'm like, I'm already go, going off on a tangent. But point is, is he should be benched. I love the way Arteta's handling the situation. And if he really wants to get into this French squad, he's got to buck up. Because I don't, I personally don't think we should sell him. Unless we get a, a like, a, like Tanner said, unless we get a crazy good offer. Because if, 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 if playing in the, the reigning World Cup champion squad doesn't entice you to, to, to be a better footballer, attitude-wise, position-wise, then honestly, like going back to what I said before, he's just going to be a volatility at that point. Because no and other better, better thing. One more, one more quick point, and and I want to again, I want to go back to what Dan said with the quotes from from his different coaches. If he felt like that at the age of fifteen, and then he comes here, and let's and let's remember how his career at Arsenal started, because Unai Emery was playing him every single game. So stupid, he yeah. Get subbed off every other game, but he was a starter, and that's only solidifying the thought in his head that yep, I belong here, I deserve to be here. So I think his his head was here, and he gets to Arsenal, and Unai Emery starts him every game, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. They've had to install triple doors at London Colony and the Emirates just for him to get his head through and into the into the facilities. Yeah, and that's just for his hair. I know. <laughs> and, yeah, I and his hair. Uh, I just want to say, me and Stan have got a major disagreement happening. We've got a major disagreement. So I want to move on from Gwendozy. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted Stan. to say that. I just wanted to say that you know the guy's twenty-one years old, and uh, this is the third club now that's shoving him the door. So he's obviously he's obviously learned nothing. Yeah, in, so far you think that the penny would drop by now. Um, as for uh, Ryan's point about him being uh, you know so young and being in the French team, I just go back to Fiel Walcott being selected by Sven Goran Eriksson in the England team. Um, also, as well, um, the fact that Angley Maitland-Niles has been brought back into the team does show you that Mikel Arteta doesn't hold grudges and that if you have the right attitude and you apply yourself, there is always a way back. It looks like that that door has definitely now been shut on Gwendouzi. And the fact that you've got Edu overriding Mikel Arteta, who's the head team coach, and he's the technical director, having to discipline the player... That's not good. Imagine you're working at a company and you're not getting disciplined by your line manager. You're getting called into the see the sales director. That is squeaky bum time. And he's obviously not learned anything. No, exactly. And I, I, I personally think that the door's shut on him. I, I'll be very surprised if, he, if we see him in an Arsenal shirt again, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't believe that there won't be a shortage of buyers for him. It just depends on how much. But we can't afford to have him infecting the rest of the squad, with want of a better word, with that kind of attitude. And he's had plenty of chances. Uh, right, let's move on to right. the, the world. <laughs> let's move on to the North London derby and how we see things going there at the Armitage Shanks Arena. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Melvin, on this one, actually. Uh, how do you think this one's going to pan out? And, I mean, what a shame that we're not going to actually be able to go there in person to see it. Well, normal London derbies are, uh, you can't really pick a winner normally, can you? But uh, I suppose we've got to score at least two goals to win because, obviously, the, what, I don't know what minute the penalty is going to be given to Kane. Yeah, I know, do you know what? You took the words out of my mouth. 
But to take aside from that, we are. I think we're playing decent football. We're playing football good enough to beat them. I only hope we've got our shooting boots on on Sunday because I think we can do it. I don't think they're that good. I think Marino's already looking on the way out, as far as I'm concerned. I think. I hope not. Good. I hope he stays there for many years to come. Yeah, you know, I don't think he will. Though, will he? Doesn't even when he wins, he doesn't stay anywhere. He, you know, he. I think that um, we should just play the, you know, play the, the way we've been playing the last few weeks. Hopefully, we have got a bit more energy. Hopefully, we, as I say, take our chances, and um, it, it could happen. I really think it could happen. I don't yeah. think that we're a team now to, to allow a team to play at us. We actually go for the, you know, we actually play towards the, the other team. Let them worry about us to a degree, which we haven't done for ages. And we play with a, the first half, like we probably do it again, higher tempo. Their defence isn't any good. I mean, he doesn't know who to play at the back, Mourinho. And uh, as I say, we need to take our chance, especially first half, because normally we do tail off second half. Hopefully we've got enough yeah. goals in us to uh, not worry about that. But it should exactly. be quite exciting. I mean, I'm look. I'll be honest with you. Every game now, I'm looking forward to it because yeah. I'm a bit nervous now. The last it's a nice change, before, isn't it? A big change, um, Andrew. Because before the break, I wasn't looking forward to any game. I wasn't nervous because I didn't care if we got beat because we were so poor before Arteta come. It was like, well, if we get beat, we get beat. It's like we're going to get beat, aren't we? It's like the norm. But now you feel against even the decent side, you've got half a chance, if not more. And so you're more nervous before a game because, in my opinion, there's more to lose because we can beat these teams now. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, what I loved about Arteta's post-match press conference yesterday was he said we need to kill the teams. And I just hope that we literally kill the team on Sunday. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Uh, Sai, what's your thoughts on this match? Well, I, I was just actually reading the news that uh, Dyer's going to be suspended. So we're not going to have the fortune of playing against oh, him in a back four. You know, know, well, they might actually play one I'm of I'm wondering whether we can appeal that. I think we should. <laughs> can we appeal that, though? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think the, um, <laughs> the, the interesting thing for the weekend will be what, he, what Arteta picks up front because we obviously don't have Enketia to pick from. He probably would have come back in maybe for Lacazette for freshness um, up front. Pepe will be back in the squad. So is this an opportunity to put Saka back on the left where I think is his probably more long-term position? Pepe right and then Aubameyang down the middle? Or does he have Lacazette up top and, and, and stick to having Saka and um, Aubameyang left and right? Um, it's probably given him a little bit more of a headache because I think Arteta likes and Ketia. I think he's moved above um, Lacazette in in some ways in in Arteta's thinking, um, so it's probably given him a little bit of a headache with the games that we've got left, knowing he's going to be missing him for a few games now. Hmm. I know we're going to come. We are, I haven't forgotten about uh, those controversial moments. I'm going to come to, come to them as I mentioned uh, as a separate issue in a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never been more confident about a North London derby. I touch wood. I'm touching wood here. Uh, in quite a long time, I'm really. I mean, their their defence is absolutely shocking at, uh, at the moment now. So, fingers crossed, we're going to do well. I mean, um, let's go on to. I'll, I'll do it now. Go. Let's go on to those controversial moments from last night and our sending off and what I think was the worst of the lot. You've probably seen, you know, what I've, maybe you've seen what I put on Twitter with regards to uh, Vardy sort of kicking Mustafi in the head. 
and leaving him with what looks like two bullet holes in the side of his face. And nothing being happened, not even um, a card or anything. And 15 fouls against us yesterday, they didn't get one card. And it sh it, the same was to be said against Brighton. I can't remember that guy's name. He was went around fouling our players the whole match and didn't get a card. And or something. it's just beyond a joke. I think it's disgusting. Sorry, mate. He was but something like that. I don't know. The guy the guy from that's right it, there. Yeah, something I, like that. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember his name. He had the same name as a referee, funnily enough. Yeah, exactly. And do, do you know what? We are top of the league on something, and that is disciplinary. Um, more red cards, more yellow cards uh, than any other team in the league. And I don't think anyone, I mean, anyone that's watched us, we are not a dirty team. Not in a million years. You know, I'm not going to say that. Fouls. Sorry, Andrew, do you know where we are in fouls given away? 14th in the league and fouls given away, yet we're near the top of bookings and sendings off. It's ridiculous. Uh, I think it's a disgrace. I can't say a stronger... It's, a, it's an absolute disgrace that it wasn't even looked at on VAR what um, Vardy did. Now, Enketia, from my point, I'll, I'll obviously go to you just in one second. It, for me, it was a red card all day long, but he did not mean that in the slightest. It was just over-exuberance of youth trying to do... carry out the... the uh, you know, the... We're sure the plan Arteta gave him to actually just cause some mischief, just mess, you know, mix it up uh, when he came onto the pitch, chase after things, close down, and he went over the top, of course, and it was a red card all day long. No problem with that whatsoever. Didn't mean to do it though. Clearly, absolutely no doubt in my mind that Vardy meant to do what he did. I'm sure he didn't, probably didn't mean to do it as fiercely, maybe something along those. Like, probably, but he meant to do it. Everyone could see that he turned his head, see where he was. And he flicked his leg out. That is not a normal yeah. movement when you're falling over. Not in a million years. I, I, no one can convince me otherwise. And he didn't even get a... I, do you know what? I'm not even sure it was a free kick. It wasn't even a free kick, I don't think. Either. I can't remember. I remember. So it, I just think it's an absolute disgrace the way that we are treated. And I was absolutely delighted that Mikel Arteta finally fronted up in that post-match interview and stood up for the club. And he's got to continue doing that match after match after match and let the refs know that we are no longer a fucking soft touch as a club. We won't accept it no more. And do you know what I would do if I was Arteta? And this is going, but I would say in a post-match press conference, I've actually hired someone to sit in the stands now. He's going to notice how many fouls you give away to that team, how many fouls you give away to, that, to us. And we're going to start logging it because something is fucking going on. And I'm going to actually monitor it myself. Because no one's monitoring it for me. And I'll just, I'll just put it out there. I'm sure... You know, I mean, it's just gone beyond a joke. You uh, had your hand up, Ryan. Uh, I'll volunteer to do it if you need somebody. <laughs> no, well, I I think we were positive. I'll come to you next, Tanner. So I don't think we saw this, but there was a uh, foul in the Burnley-West uh, Ham game. Tarkovsky uh, did pretty much what Eddie did, probably worse. Uh, I tweeted it, if you guys want to look, uh, look through my tweets. Um, and he got a yellow card. And I... It, I, I don't get me wrong. I think Eddie's. I'm, I'm as far as Arsenal fans. I'm happy in the minority. I, I think it was a red. I think Eddie should have been sent off. Um, Vardy's thing. I actually, when we were doing the watch along, I was like, oh, like that sucks. 
it's you know I I didn't think anything of like a, a potential red card for Vardy, but then I watched the replay again and I was like, holy shit, the dude got bit. Like he needs to. He I think he should get sent off. But point is, is uh, yeah, Melvin made up brought up a really good point with the, with the foul situation. We're fourteenth and we're first in you know disciplinary. So yeah, I. I I don't like the conspiracy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but it's a little nerving to say. And then, like I said, the the Tarkovsky foul was absolutely insane. You guys need to check it out, and it'll probably get you guys even more uh, fuming mad. Yeah, yeah I, if, if I may, Andrew, just real quick. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree 100% with Ryan. I, I was in the exact same boat. I, I and Eddie, it's it's unlucky. Um, I want him as as Arteta. I want him to go in and try to make that play. But I pull him aside and I say, but I, I want you to make that challenge, but I want you to be sure you're going to get the ball. That is dangerous. He could have done a lot more damage to, to uh, James Justin than, than what he did. So, unfortunately mm. for James Justin, there wasn't more, more damage done. Um, but I want Eddie to make the challenge. I just want him to be more sure he's going to get the ball. And, yeah, watching the Vardy thing live – and in real time, I'm like, ah, that's that sucks, man. I, you know, hope Mustafi's all right and looks like he's going to be blah blah blah. Didn't think really anything of it. Thought, you know, okay, it's accidental. It's two guys that you know the ball was gone. They're both falling to the ground, and this happens. Uh, but watching the replay of it and seeing three different angles on it, you clearly see Vardy said swing around, look for Mustafi, and it's a very unnatural way for him, for him to swing his leg out the way he did. It's very unnatural to fall that way. And man, I and I wanted to like Jamie Vardy, and now all of a sudden, this dude, he's like just a cunt back. Hmm. He's a. It's always been the same. I don't say he's been as filthy as that. He will cheat for hell. Yeah, I well, remember at Highbury, not Highbury, at the Emirates a couple of times, he just died for penalties and got it. He's, he does what he has to do, leaves his leg in. I suppose he gets a bit of stick as well from defenders, but he's never been, in my view, a nice person. I nice hate person. to say this, but if he was no, at a bigger club, we, uh, would, we, we would hate him. But yeah, no, absolutely. And he grew up as a non-league player till his mid-20s, and it shows. Because that's well, the one, you know, you get away with it then. I'm going to go to you, Basti, because I know you had your hand yeah. up anyway. There's a, there's a really big similarity between Vardy and, wait for it, um, an Arsenal legend called Ian Wright, who I remember him sticking, giving it a right old studs into Schmeichel. Um, listen, you get the sort of player like Vardy or Wright, who, as you just said, they came in late. Um, they're used to playing on the Hackney Marshes and they're very, very talented strikers. I mean, they score goals for fun. Vardy's a great striker. I mean, you know, there's no question about that. But they've got that nasty animal thing in them that some, sometimes just goes, fuck this, I'm hurting this person, right? And unfortunately, it's an instinct thing that, you know, and, you know, I did see afterwards Vardy went out to go, oh, sorry, sorry, like that, because I think he realised, but it was too late because he, he knew exactly what he was doing. He kind of left, you know, you could see that by, by the, the replay you've shown over and over again. And, um, and as for Eddie, I mean, he came on and he's just young and a bit naive. And, and he's, he, we want, it's great that he wants to be a menace, which is brilliant because he is a menace. And I love the fact he chases down the way he, he run at him. But you can't, you can't in the modern game raise your studs like that. You know, you've got to be a menace with your, I don't know, your shoulder or your elbow or something else. But not, not with your studs because you will. You'll see red and that, you know. And he, he's learned a lesson. 
uh, Eddie Absolutely. yesterday that you know you've got to curb your enthusiasm a little bit, um, otherwise you'll get nicked basically, and it, it lets the side down. You know? Well, I, I totally agree with you about Ian Wright, and I love that about Ian Wright. Uh, but it, uh, let's let's face it; it's a different game today. It is. Well, there's no VAR then, point. was there? I mean, that's the, the whole VAR, point. Andrew. That is the whole point. Why wasn't is, VAR is, used on Vardy? You could do so much more on a football pitch back in those days. And to be fair, I loved it back yeah. then. You know, it was a different game. It's not the same anymore. And for the simple fact that, like James Johnson has said, thanks for your comments, James. They're all uh, really appreciated. He's saying Leicester made 14 with no bookings. I, I, I thought it was 15, but either way, no bookings at all. You know, and no VAR used on that at all. And that That's the whole point, what I'm trying to make. Yeah. No consistency whatsoever. Um, what the point Arteta was making yesterday completely valid. You know, if Nketiah's was a sending off, so was Vardy's, because there's no consistency. Nketiah didn't mean to do what he did, but but it happened. Vardy completely meant to do what he did. Not even looked at. Not even given as a free kick. Sire, I saw you had your hand up, mate. I was just going to say exactly the same as you just have. Um, it's I don't think any of us um, debate the decision really with Nketiah. Um, you can't get away with it. It's just how the laws of the game are applied consistently that's the problem. If you're going to send him off, you have to send off Vardy. Um, here we've appealed um, the sending off. Presumably, if the FA listened to that, then they have to go back and they have to uh, look at the incident with Vardy because he wasn't booked. So, you know, will they do that? Probably not. Um, it's just the consistency that annoys me, you know. And, I bet you they won't. Uh, you know, what annoyed me in the Brighton game was a certain uh, Rio Ferdinand commentating on the fact that it's all right to leave something on someone. Well, I haven't heard him mention anything about, you know, this game. You know, <laughs> that's exactly, you know, what, what his comments were. You know, awful comments, I thought, when he was on BT Sport for the Brighton game. Very disrespectful, you know, love to wind up a few Arsenal fans, but, you know, there was nothing similar this time round when uh, a couple of players did do something, maybe by accident. Um, yeah. I do think that Enketia didn't, when you see it, he he actually tried to kind of, his, his foot went up and went down near the guy's knee, but then he, he softened it. Whereas yeah. with Vardy, he kind of followed through and meant his, he wanted to put his foot through through Mustafi's face. And you could see that, that you often get a situation where players, they're going for it, and then they go, oh, I better ease off here a little bit. But it was too late for Nketiah because he'd already kind of, although he was easing off, he'd made the contact. Fast year's exactly. spot on. Stan, you had your hand up. Oh, he's we'll, uh... trying to pull back. Yeah. He, he kinda, Sorry, he kinda... I'll come to you in a sec. The light goes on. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm not going to get the ball. So, Sorry, Andrew. No problem, no problem. Stan? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, okay, look, uh, listen, look, looking at Vardy's kick, right, that would have made Sean Michaels from the WWE proud. That was sweet cheap music all day long. And I know that people talk about the referees Bruce and VAR. Yeah. <laughs> they talk about referees, VARs, the decisions that go, to get, go against us and the conspiracy. And I do agree with all of that and it infuriates me, but I tend to concentrate on looking at the things that, what is that that Arsenal can actually affect? What can we actually affect? The referee decisions and a lot of the VAR stuff, it's out of our hands. We can't affect it. But and, and to kind of tie in with what's going to happen at the North London Derby, we've got so many players in our team 
that have individual mistakes in them and have cost us points. Uh, before Darren went off, he was talking about, um, you know, oh, everybody wanted Xhaka and David Luisa, and now they're playing really well, and Mustafi, you know. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I've still got a memory. And as long as we still, still field, I don't care how much they've improved. As long as we still feel players like Xhaka, David Luiz, Socrates, Mustafi, we are, uh, you know, David Luiz, we're always going to be, when I watch a match, if it's a 1-0 to us, I'm always going to be on the edge until we secure the game. Because I know that those players that I've just mentioned, all of them are capable of a brain fart. And all of them have cost us points in the past. And that's what worries me the most. So when I look at the things that I can control, I look at Eddie and Ketia. When we finished the game yesterday, I was really disappointed because, yes, the referees pissed me off. Yes, Jamie Vardy was doing his uh, Jordan Michaels impression. But the one thing that we can affect is Eddie and Ketia. And if Eddie and Ketia didn't get that red card, I think that we would have come out of that game with two more points. I, I think that I we had enough about us to get three points out of that. So I'm really upset with Eddie and Ketty today. I know that he wasn't malicious. I know that he didn't mean it. But yet again, it's an individual mistake that has cost us points. And I hope, I hope that he understands what happened yesterday. And that's a learning curve. Because if I was a teammate of his yesterday, you know, and you've got to look back at maybe when some players like Tony Adams and Martin Keown were in the squad, I guarantee you that when they came into the changing room, they would have had him up against the wall and made him understand exactly what it was that he did that cost us two points. So I'm, I'm, not not hammering, I'm not hammering him. I'm just saying he upset me. I'm disappointed that he's got to learn from that. And these are the things that we can affect. We can affect I totally things. agree with everything you've said, but it, it's not the point I was trying to make. I just want to make myself clear. It's, I totally agree and understand that we have got players that keep doing this over and over again, and we need to, to move on from those players because that is not how we're going to get to the next level. The point I wanted to make is that we always get shafted and we're happy to we just roll over and do nothing about it. And you say that we can only do things that we can affect, and that... I agree, but we need to cut out those errors, blah, blah, blah. But Alex Ferguson was a master at controlling the referees, the media, everything, by standing up for his club. He got the piss taken out of him left, right and centre. He didn't give a shit. Because at the end of the day, it affected... You, you, how, how often have you heard the, the stories about how, how few um, opponents get penalties at, at, at Old Trafford oh, through, through the years? Throughout his time at Old Trafford, they got all the decisions in the end because moaning after moaning after... I'm not saying I want Arteta to become Alex Ferguson Mark II. I don't want us to be completely go the other way and everyone hate us because we're constantly moaning either. But we need to stand up for ourselves and say enough's enough because we are being screwed over left, right and centre. So Arteta needs to continue standing up for, for us as a club in front of the at the front of the media and saying we ain't going to stand for it no more because it will eventually it will go to another club because that's the way it go that's the way it works why are we allowing it to happen to us all the time Melvin first of all it's happened it's not just happened to us this year Andrew it's been happening for a long long time but just exactly. go back to one I'm point. sick of it sick of it yeah we all are but to make one point I think the Vardy incident and the Eddie incident has taken everyone away from talking about why we actually gave the equaliser away. And that oh, was the absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. No one's talking about that. It's all forgotten yeah. about. No, 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 no. He's played better. It was his fault. He was 
daydreaming. Not only does he daydream, I've said this about him before, for a defender or any football, he hasn't got an idea of what's around him. His eyes only point forward. I remember the League Cup final when the Man City geese were standing behind him, headed it back to him and off he went. He has got no... To be a defender, you've got to have eyes in your ears type of thing. And he hasn't got it. He looks like he's got two on the side of his head, to be honest now, to be fair to (laughs) him. Yeah, yeah. He will never, in my opinion, be a top defender which he hasn't got the ability to know what's around him. And you can improve this, you can improve that, forget it. Because like you said, Stan, in any game, we've got four or five players that have got a mistake in them, and he's near the top. Absolutely. I wasn't even going down that road. And I totally agree, and I've said it a hundred times. You know, he has, regarding Mustafi, I respect him a lot. Loads, because he has turned his game around massively. But I don't... I don't. I still don't want him to stay with us beyond the, the end of this season. If we could sell him, I would sell him. And but the, but what I'm happy about is that he can go off now without us. Literally, I don't know. Just having a party because he's going. At least we can say well done because he's turned his he's turned his game around as best he can, and he, he's shown a lot of mental strength coming back from what he, he did because he was finished. Let's face it, he was absolutely finished as a player, and he's come in and tried his art out the last, you know, under Mikel Arteta, and fair play to him for doing that. You know, I've got a lot of respect for him for doing that. But do I want him to stay? No, because he's only five, oh, 20 seconds away from giving the game away again. You know, so we need to move away from these error-prone players. Uh, you had your hand up, Tanner. Yeah, just, just real quick, just with the way uh, yesterday's mistake notwithstanding, his improvement under Arteta may have actually increased his, his sell-on value yeah, exponentially exactly. at this point. So it, I, I, I'm not that down on on Mustafi. Um, I've always kind of said with him, less is more. The less he plays, obviously, the more he plays, the more likely he is to make a mistake. Um, and if there were no other options, I would I would be content with him being a depth option. But um, no, to, the, to the point, he has improved under Arteta, and I think he's increased his sell-on value. So I've got, can I just quickly as well, I just think that um, it's easy sometimes to have a go at a goalkeeper or a defender for making mistakes when ultimately the team's got to be 2-0. We go 1-0 up and we've got to kill it off and go 2-0 up. And once mm. we've done that, they don't think they've got so much of a sniff and we're not under so much pressure, you know, and we're not making mistakes like Eddie's made. And suddenly there's a bit more, you know... So we've got to finish our chances. And I'm not lacquer bashing. I mean, he's a great striker, lacquer. He was a brilliant goal against Wolves that he scored. Took it brilliantly. Great first touch um, and a great finish. But um, And maybe it was Schmeichel being a great keeper again. But we've got to get that second goal. We've got, we learned that against Wolves. We have been doing that against Southampton. We've been doing that and we just didn't quite do it yesterday. Just no. We had those great chances. We've got to finish them off. Take, take, take take the pressure off the defence. Absolutely. Rowan, talking about what, uh, following on from what Basti's just said, we've got an issue coming up in the summer, clearly. Um, It's looking positive more and more by the day that your favourite is going to stay, sign a new contract, Aubameyang. And I really hope he does because he's a a freak of a human being and I think he has got a good two or three more years in him. He's not showing any sign of slowing down. He is uh, 
a player that we really need to hold on to as far as I'm concerned. What about Lacazette? There's, there has been talk over the last few days that it, there's been discussions about a contract for him, which, you know, it's going to divide a lot of the fan base in lots of ways. Uh, what are your thoughts? I'm sorry I'm not going to ask you to talk about Aubameyang, but I think that's a bit of a straightforward one. What about Lacazette in your opinion? I mean, you know, the goal against Wolves was the old Lacazette. I think it was a, it's a terrific goal. I've got my own opinions on him, but what do you think? My my opinion on Lacazette. So Lacazette, the guy I love. You know his attitude around the team. He's been in and out. He's he's played well. You know when he came to the club, I was excited for him. You know I think that he's a great striker, but he does not use his strengths. And, you know, he is frustrating me now. I've had enough of Lacazette trying to play the Firmino role when we don't have Mane and Salah in the team to score the goals. We look to Aubameyang every time for us to, for, for us to score. <laughs> and, you know, how many times is he supposed to see us? We don't have the midfield, which is well-oiled to sort of dictate games. We can't dictate games and hence we need to score to win, right? If he would have had two goals yesterday in the first half, we would have won. And I'm not even talking about the great save that uh, that Schmeichel made, but there were headers, there were other chances. And it's not just one game. I would forgive him for that one game. He's done this for a long time now. You know, that, see, he's put on Giroud numbers, right? He's $50 million in, or 50 million, 52, 54 million euros and he has zero numbers. If he had the same performance in that Leicester season, people would hate him, right? And people don't hate him because he's got a g- great attitude. He gets along with Aubameyang. You know, he seems to be doing a lot of the hard work, but that's not his job. He is our number nine. If our number nine for the season is at nine goals, then we are where we are. And God bless Aubameyang because if we didn't have him, we'd be relegated. You know, because Lacazette is not going to score goals. Our midfield isn't designed to control games. Our, our defense is shit. So we're going to concede goals. You know, there is no, there, there are no two ways. I can understand. Maybe, maybe it's, it's Arteta who's telling him to play that way. Then Arteta needs to sort it out because his primary job is scoring goals and he's not doing that. And he's not going to do that until he's in the box, which he seldom is. Frustrated. No. Uh, oh, I love you, Rowan. It's fantastic. A bit line of the day. He's trying to do the Firmino role, but we haven't got Mane and Salah to score the goals. I think that's for brilliant. Um, <laughs> everyone's got their hand. Who had their hand up first? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll go to you first. Right? I'm sorry, Tanner. I don't know who had their like. I just no, want to ask Go on, Rowan. Tanner. Rowan, do you feel better? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's been waiting to get that off his for a while. Yeah, exactly. Now, Ryan, you had your hand up. He's like a wind-up box. He just wind, 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 and then you just let it go, and he goes crazy. I love it, Ryan. Well said. Um, the other thing, I'm, I'm, I'm just confused, and maybe you guys can help me out and like give me your opinions. Uh, I don't understand why we just don't play. I, I guess, listen, I know Aubameyang does more for us on the left side. I get it. He's be- he's, he, he puts up better numbers for us that on the left wing than he does through the middle. But Lacazette's not – I mean, he had that goal against Wolves, fine. He's not playing well. I agree, I agree Rowan. I, 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 during the watch long, I was going back and forth because he was helping – he was creating a lot. 
coming back. He was he's making passes, working hard, getting us the ball, giving us giving Abamyang those chances, giving Saka those chances. But like we like Rohan said, we don't need that. We need a guy who's going to put those chances away. Um, mm. But back to what I was saying, um, why don't we just play Abamyang through the middle? So, let's face it, Saka is our future. Put Saka on the on the left. Pepe, we spent what eighty million for him. Put him on the right. I think Sai said this earlier. I just, I just think that I, I just don't understand why Arteta isn't like even considering it or thinking of doing that. It's just I, maybe it doesn't work in training. I don't know. Maybe he obviously knows something that I, that I don't know. But I'm just very confused at why this this isn't a, a formation that we haven't tried. Not a formation, but a, a lineup we haven't tried yet. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Stan. I'll come to you in a sec, Melvin. Stan had his hand up just a moment ago. It's almost like um, Alexander Lacazette's created this new position, which is which I've started to call he plays in a false eight position now, and I don't <laughs> see. I don't. It, it doesn't make any sense. He's a number nine, yet like uh, I think Rohan said, it's almost like either Mikel's asking to play the Bobby Firmino role, or he's woke up one morning after banging his head and he thinks he's Bobby Firmino. Because if you look at the attacking play, uh, especially the game yesterday. It's the two wingers on the on the, on either side of him that are getting into the box, and one will be crossing, and the other one's coming in to get on the end of it. And when that happens, where's Lacazette? He's the deepest one out of the, the three, and he's supposed to be at a tip. So the Bobby Firmino thing idea for me has definitely got some mileage to it because it seems to be that what he's where he's playing. And Lacazette for me as a number nine, I always think he works better as part of a two. I actually think it's too much for him being this lone nine in this position. It just does not seem to to, to suit him. Um, and I think that if we can move him on, because exactly of what Rohan said, for the money that we paid for him, he's barely putting up Oliver Giroud's numbers. And yeah. at, at the end of the day, you know, he's supposed to be there to score goals. I didn't buy him to be an Emil Heskey. I didn't want an Emil Heskey in and around the team. I want a striker. So if he's... And I was so pleased when we got him. Big fan of Lacazette's. But there's got to be more to just being pally pally with certain players and smiling and what have you. I want to see, I want to see him putting up numbers, and he's not doing it. No, I agree. I agree. Melvin, Melvin, what do you want to say? Well, I, I agree with Stan says. I think Lacazette we should out because he's not doing the job for the whole year. I think to a degree he doesn't even look fit in my opinion. He looks a bit overweight. He's lost his confidence. He's lost his touch, which comes with confidence. I know. I would definitely get shot, and perhaps not even buy another striker. If you need the money no. and we're so tight up for money, we should actually look for midfield to to um, to improve. And we remember we've got Martinelli coming back next year, and we can mm, play him up can't wait. as well in certain games. I'm very excited about him. But going back to Pepe, I wouldn't actually play him wide on the wing. He's got no room. I would love to see him play in front of a couple of behind a couple of forwards because he when he when he when, when he uh, he draws players towards him. And he will expose the other team's defence. And I'm, I'd be very happy to see him in... Do you remember that player? What's he called? Um, Ozil, yeah. To play in that role. To draw people out, push balls hey. through. He can go past players. And he's got a bit of a shot on him as well. I wouldn't be... I'd, I'd play him... If we do play that way again, I'd play him in that position. He can go... I, I said, the moment where he go one way past the player. I, I said that last summer. After we bought him, I said, I want to see him more central because he's too one-dimensional out on the right. You know, it's easy to work him out. If he played in that hole behind the strikers, it'd be it'd be incredible. You know, and luckily before um, 
the last couple before he went off for his uh, parent. Yeah, what's it called? You, you know, just to have the baby anyway. And he was starting to move a lot more in central. And he, you see how more, much more effective he was. I think it just makes so much sense. You stand. He had uh, another comment on this before we move on to another subject quickly. Yeah, before I just we... wanted to say on that, on the, with the uh, you know Pepe moving into the middle there. I mean, if you're going to put somebody into that Ozil role, then the one thing that they 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 have to have are two feet. And Nicola Pepe is a one-footed player. Yeah, you no, need I to don't, have I don't want him to like, play that role. I don't think we need one. Let me finish. Let's, let yeah, me see. No, no, see no, no, you're getting me wrong. See where I'm going with it? To play someone behind in that role, you have to have a really good passing range. It's not just about carrying the ball and shooting. You've got to have a real, really good range of passing. And I also heard other people saying that Lacazette should play that role. And I would say no. He can't the pass. Reason. The he person pass that the should play in that role in this team, a person that's good on with both feet, a person who can shoot from distance, a person that can pick up the ball and move it even closer to the goal to take shots, Saka. When everybody's if we're going to persist with Aubameyang on the left and he's not going to move in the middle, he's going to stay on the left and Pepe's on the right, then we should be looking at putting Saka, I think, into that Ozil role. And then you've got players like Martinelli to come in off the bench. You've got uh, Eddie and Laka if they're to, to duke it out through the middle, which is what seems what Mikel Arteta wants. But as long as Aubameyang's taking up that space on the left, then so they, players like Martinelli and Saka ain't going to play there. Put Saka in there, and I'll tell you what you'll see. You'll see like a Clarence Seedorf-esque player. Because I think that he's got everything yeah, about him that role. I do. And I, I, what I, what, what, I would want to make myself clear. I don't want... To be fair, the, the number... Everyone says, and I agree, the number 10 role in itself is a bit redundant, redundant in a, a lot of the modern formations. But what you need more than anything in the front three, as far as I'm concerned... You need a, a, someone in the penalty box, but the, the players either side of him, which hopefully, I'd, well, I'd love to see either Martinelli and Pepe or Saka and Pepe, uh, either side of Aubameyang, but they need to be moving around. They don't need to be stuck out left, stuck out right. You, they just need to do to basically have free roles around the box, creating. Uh, that's the way it should work, as far as I'm concerned. And stop asking. I think Lacazette and moaning three at Pepe rolls. for not defending. Stop, stop moaning at him for not defending. He's, he's not. We didn't buy him as a defender. We need to have players around him to do that work for him, and just keep giving him the ball. Anyway, sorry, Seb. So, Basti, what do you want? No, I was just saying. I think Lacazette had three sausage rolls before the game yesterday. You said they have to have yeah. different roles. But, yeah, no, I think, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, listen, he's someone, he's, he is, he can be very good. I mean, that goal against Wolves was perfectly taken, lovely, you know, just loved it. Yeah, but it's he was in, he much, was too the little, box. much too little of that, you know, it's not consistent. Um, and the two chance, I think it was two, was it three chances yesterday? Got to be putting one of those away, you know, yeah. and, and then suddenly Especially it's a whole of- different ball game. So, yeah, no, someone's mentioned in the little chat thing we're going on about, I mentioned Malcolm McDonald because he sort of walks around a bit like Malcolm McDonald did when he joined Arsenal. <laughs> and uh, and then someone's put Franny Jeffers and it's the curse of the number nine. We've had that for a while. There've been a, We've had a few number nines that haven't worked. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, very difficult to say. Funnily enough, on Aubameyang, albeit he's been our saviour, Sometimes he frustrates me as well with his first touch and his inability to pass and do the simple thing. 
He's got very good little flicks and very good, you know. And of course, he scores goals, and you can't argue with that. Um, and that's his job. So you, you can forgive him for when he doesn't do things brilliantly. But I do. I mean, I'm a real critic, so I notice stuff, you know. Um, and sometimes he just, you know, it gives, it does give the ball away. It's silly things sometimes. I don't know if anyone else notices that, you know. And, and his first touch sometimes it sort of pings off him, and really you want to be bringing it down. But maybe I'm being overcritical. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just want him. To, that's why he should be a bit more central, just scoring the goals, because he's brilliant at that. He's elite at scoring goals. So let's just uh, let's just go and let him score goals, and and have you know that's all. Right. That's what Lacazette, if he was just, because I thought, I mentioned in the watch along yesterday, I think he's really slow at the moment. I think he's really out of shape. Um, mm-hmm. I totally agree. But I, yeah, it's, I would I would definitely cash in on Lacazette and I wouldn't replace him because we've got Tyrese John Jules coming through behind Nketiah and we're losing Balogun as well, who's an incredible player. Um, so yeah, but... Uh, I've got a, I've got to go, guys. So I'm going to bid you all farewell. No, no problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Listen, Basti, just give 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 your new release. A oh shout yeah. Out. Oh yeah. Well, this was you may remember a, a a thing called Highbury Sunshine, which was a record released in the '90s. If you're old right. enough to remember right that, tune, yeah. And the Can't Highbury read. Sunshine sessions. Um, there's a couple of tracks I've found that have never been released, and I'm releasing one on the 16th of July. The band's called Yeah, and it, the song's called Happening. And it's nothing to do with Arsenal, but it was recorded at the same time as Highbury Sunshine. That's the only link. <laughs> well, and it's a cracking track, so 16th of Send us the link on Twitter. Send us the link on Twitter. Yeah, you can go to Yeah. Yeah, I'll be tweeting it like mad from the Hampstead Arsenal page. Well, we'll all support you as a member of the Guna family. Cheers, guys. And Guna family. We'll Rock and roll. Yeah. We'll give it Red a download. And Thanks, a guys. Take care. Fair. Thanks See for coming on, mate. Right. Who... Is everyone still okay? Just for maybe five to... Five maximum yeah, ten well, more I've minutes. Got, I'm actually got to phone my... Not now. In a couple of minutes, I want to phone my aunt up. She's a hundred. Oh, in American you. cheese. Yeah, hundred. I was going to oh, say to you, give me a time before nine o'clock. Give her a ring. Sorry, I was going to say. I, I was going to say, say, because she, she's in America. She, did she not get the letter from the Queen? We knew I don't know. I'll ask her. She's been. Is she British? She was a GI bride uh, staying. Oh, so she's British. So she might get the telegram. Yeah, yeah she could oh. do. I'll find. I'll speak to her. Hopefully, get. Wish a happy birthday from all of us. It's probably. Uh, it's probably a Snapchat nowadays. To be fair. It's probably a Snapchat from the Queen. Well, you get a Zoom call. From anyway, her. let's quickly. You get a Zoom uh... call from the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do a quiz. Do a quiz at the weekend. Um, right, Cy. Si, I'm going to come to you quickly on this one. I'm just going to wrap up on this subject, and it's going to be a difficult one because without going on too long. But I'm just going to ask you a question: the Cronkies, good owners. Or bad owners? Just give us your thoughts on that. One word I would say, bad owners. Um, what I would say is that football well, looks you, very give different us your reasons. Give us your reasons happening. a little bit. Um, without getting in it too much, I think um, we've got quite a, a, a silent ownership at the club. Um, from what you read, um, 
I don't think that we're the priority within that sports company. There are other uh, avenues, clubs and businesses that they run which have more attention. I was pleased when Josh was kind of put up as the front man. So to kind of give that that organisation a face and to speak to the fans and certainly said the right things in the summer about being excited and, you know, all that famous speech that he gave, which seems a long, long time ago now. Um, having said that, you know, people say that they're not backing the club enough. They have spent money. Um, I will give them that. Uh, every fan always wants more, but we have to be realistic about where we are, the revenue that we bring in. Um, but what I think is going to be interesting and, and the, the telling thing now is actually what they do or, or, or what KSE do now, given the state of, of football and the fact that there are restrictions in place, revenue is down a lot. Um, is now, are they going to pump money into the club because they can see other people catching us further and overtaking us, or is the self? Are we back on this sort of self-sufficient model still? Um, you know, with the relaxing of financial fair play, and you know, Wenger was always the the advocate of this. That you know, with the relaxing of what's going on because of what's happened with coronavirus, other clubs are going to plough money, and Chelsea have already invested. City are going to invest a lot more now. Um, now they have the opportunity to, to to not break a few rules doing it. And I think it's going to be an interesting summer because Arteta needs to be backed. Um, he's done a lot of very good things, but he needs the backing of the club now to take the, the his vision forward. So I think this summer is going to be a really interesting perspective to see what they do with the club. I really think so as well. Uh, does anyone want to uh, pick up on on that? Do you want to have a quick pick on that up on that, uh, Melvin, before you have to go? Yeah, so yeah, very quickly, I think he is a poor owner. Not so much of the money that he hasn't put in. Number one, he's using the club. That's no, we're collateral for other things he wants to do. That's, that's dangerous for the club. He can do it now because he's got 100%, but it's still dangerous. And I think what also is poor is the people he's got involved. You know, he got this, uh, um, who was the one who did all our transfers, went to AC Milan. Oh, Who's the guy? Going- with- Gazidis. Yeah. Gazidis, sorry. Gazidis. He's an absolute, he was an absolute joke for us. Some of the things he did cost us millions upon millions of pounds. He got in people that were not good enough. He, he got players that gave him... I mean, whoever gave Ozil that, that contract, I mean, must have been a Spurs supporter on the board. Seriously. It was so, so... Who in their that right mind... was Gazidis, mind? wasn't it, I think? Yeah, it was. I think it was. And so you've got to think to yourself, not only is a bad... Um, owner on the basis that he uh, is a bit tight with money or very tight with money is also a bad owner because he gets the wrong people in and that is that is the problem you know he had Wenger who was a money-making machine for the club so he's quite happy but he didn't realize quick enough that Gazidis was absolutely draining I mean at the end of the day like for like we'll be better off money-wise when Wenger came to when Wenger left because he did some fantastic deals Wenger for us on players but he did some awful ones, which cost us like a couple hundred million, I reckon, if you add it all up. So I think that's why he is a bad owner. And you know as well as I do that we can never live money or spending-wise with the Man Cities, the Evertons now, the Chelsea's, the um, Man United's. We're out of that league and we've got to play it. We've got to win, win the league and all that, you know, a little bit handicapped. So if we do win the league again in the next five, ten years, it'll be really, really good. I feel very proud to do it because we'll do it against everything else, not because of our owner, 
but despite our owner. Sorry to be a bit down, but... Um... No, no, not at all. No, it's really interesting it's to a... hear. And I, I, Thank you very much, Andrew. Love it to you again, Stan. Really good to have you on, Melvin. Thank you very much. Hope to see you again no, soon. You Take again. care. Yeah, mate. Cheers, well, everyone. All the best. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, Melv. Take care. Stan. Right, who else? Do you, do you want to have a quick word about that? Your thoughts on that, um, Tanner? Yeah, I. So I, I guess what you know what constitutes a a bad owner versus what constitutes a good owner. Um, I I think they're somewhere in the middle. I don't like everything that they do, but I also, um, I, but I don't hate everything that they do. I I you know we have spent money. When you when you go back and you look at the numbers over the last five years, we've spent money. Um, and we moved into a bigger stadium, and we were one of the first clubs to do that, if not the first club, quite frankly, to, you know, to build that stadium and get into a bigger place. And the fact is, we needed that. I mean, could you imagine if we were still at Highbury right now in, in you know, a stadium with a capacity of, what, 30,000, 30,000? 40,000. 40,000. I mean, it, it just for, for the club, for a club the size of us, we needed a bigger stadium, and we got it. Um I don't like the fact that they are seemingly absentee. At least Stan is anyway. I, I'm holding out hope that, that Josh is going to be more involved, that, this, that Arsenal is going to sort of turn into his baby. Um, the, the Rams are Stan's baby, period, the end. He, there, there's a whole long story that I could go into about the purchase of, of the Rams when they were in St. Louis and moving them back to L.A. and so on and so forth. Um, but – if you look at everything that they've done with their other major sports teams, the LA Rams in the NFL, Colorado Avalanche in the NHL, and the Denver Nuggets in the NBA, Arsenal are sort of following that that blueprint of bringing in a young, unproven coach, and uh, and and then you're, you're, you'll start. I think you're going to start to see some backing. It's not. It'll never be to the point where. Every fan is happy with it. We're never going to spend 250 million pounds in a transfer window. It's just not going to happen. Um, but overall, new stadium, we have spent the money, so that argument goes out the window. I just wish they were more. I just wish they were more involved, um, or at least I wish Stan was more involved. He was more present at games. Um, but overall, they're, they're not the best owners in the world. By their, you know, they're a far shout from that. But they're they're far from being the worst owners in the world. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a, I agree with a lot of that because well, I'll go to you first, Rowan. You to put your hand up, and I'll come back to you after Sai because I know you did as well, Rowan. So I I agree with Tanner that they've put in the money in the last five years. So 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 first of all, the verdict is for me undoubtedly unequivocally bad owners. Right now they have put in money in the last five years. But that money has been wasted because of people that they have put in, in, in charge of spending money. And the fact of the matter is that we were at a position in like 2006, 2007, 2008, when we had a world-class sport. And smaller investments at that point could have made us consistently better. But the issue now is that in the last five years, we've had to splash the cash because we've not done it for so many years, for like the first seven years of their ownership. We didn't spend the money. And that's led us to this point. 
and they are not only are they bad owners they're stupid because they are and and he's a billionaire but i i think he's got no business acumen because arsenal could be a big cash cow and for that he has to increase the value of arsenal now in the present generation why would anyone want to support arsenal why should anyone who watches the premier league and is not from that part of london support arsenal give me one good reason there is there is absolutely no reason to support arsenal right now and that means that their investment is going down their value the value of the club isn't increasing far enough look at liverpool in the past 2 3 years their valuation has gone up twofold threefold right if i were a, a, a the owner i would pump in money or have the right team in place to actually increase the valuation because at the end of it they do want to they would want to sell the 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 club and they could do it at a massive profit so not only are they bad they're stupid you know and the ignorance i don't care if they come out and do interviews or don't do interviews you know roman abramovich do you know how he sounds like i mean i i don't know how he sounds like but he does he he, he puts his money where his mouth is he right? sounds like daniel farker i reckon Yeah, I'm sure he does. So, you know, he 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 does less talking. He walks the walk and he just doesn't do the, uh, just doesn't talk the talk. But what these guys are doing is, you know, we are going to be the Bayern Munich of London. You know, we what are you talking about? We are we are nowhere close to being anything. Now we're regressing and that's all because of these owners. And don't let it fool you that they've invested in the last 5 years. that's been because of financial mismanagement year after year when they did not spend the money and the jackasses that they put in the exact board who are spending their money not wisely so you haven't really got any opinions on it either way then rowan <laughs> <laughs> no that's, that's brilliant no, i uh again you know so many value points so many value points i, I think that um in my opinion there's this absolute i don't give a shit that they don't, they're absent i don't give a shit about any of that i don't i'm not worried about these people that think oh why aren't you in the stadium blah, blah i don't care as long as they don't get involved in what's going on on the pitch great as far as i'm concerned what the, what there was a, a big problem was is they were, didn't have an ear to the ground they didn't have any someone there keeping a notice on something and uh making people accountable for all the shit mistakes they've been doing year after year after year with crap recruitment and just pissing money down a drain and that they, they had no one to answer to and um I've just got a slight glimmer of hope now because I don't know if you guys have seen that they've appointed uh someone as a non-executive director to the board who is an actual lifelong arsenal fan he's 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 a lawyer called Tim Lewis and it sounds hugely promising that they've actually put this guy in place because he is there to make people accountable he's from one of the biggest i can't remember the name of the company now but one one of the biggest law firms in the world uh, and it's the name's gone out of my head you can look it up anyway but he is there to, literally to make people accountable and i just that's what I'm so encouraged by that to be perfectly honest because the simple fact that he's an Arsenal fan as well is is good, is 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 a good positive but 
I think that they've been really neglectful um, for letting things just go on and on and trusting people in charge. And and that's just the biggest error that they've made for me. They've just let people get on. Raoul has got no one to, to, to actually report to. And that hopefully is going to change. And I, I just got the hope as well. I, I don't know whether that's going to be the case, but I think that Josh now sees the club as his main priority. Uh, he's got one other club that he looks after in America, I know. Again, I can't remember which one. But he's seeing that he's going to be spending more time in London. So that's a positive. But I just got a little bit of hope that now that they've appointed this guy uh, to oversee what they're doing, and being a lawyer, he's going to be looking at the contracts, I hope. But it sounds positive as far as that's concerned. That we're not going to be spunking money down the, down the drain now, and we're going to be looking after things a bit more wisely. And what I, what I found out today as well, it's just a bit odd. Kia Jarabchian is not an actual agent. He's not an accredited football agent. He's not registered. He is a foot. He is an advisor. That's it. So he's actually sitting next to Raoul. Uh, and he's not even an agent. He's not Raoul's agent. Um, sorry, Edu's agent, as people imagined, because he's not a registered agent. He's literally there as an advisor. So I really hope that this guy Tim Lewis is going to start sorting all this stuff out and saying, "What the hell are you doing?" And actually ask questions. Why did we go and get David Luiz for twenty-four million quid? And I'm not saying that I would have done this, but I, I think it would have been a better idea. You could have gone, gone and got. Cahill, Gary Cahill for free without having to pay a, a penny apart from his, his wages. And he's had a, a very good season with Palace. Would he have been a better option than David Luiz for 12 months? I think so, for 24 million quid. Not that I've got anything against that. I actually quite like David Luiz, but it's just a, it's just a, uh, it's just, um, you know, a stupid decision that they've made again without being accountable to anyone. So I hope this guy is going to make a difference. And... I think that they've been the most thing they've been guilty of is neglect. So because they have signed off the the expense, like you said, Tanner, I think it was you, Tanner. I do apologise if it wasn't, but you said that we have spent money. We spent about, I think it was nearly just under four hundred million the last five years. But it's been spent like on shit for the majority of it. At least probably two thirds of it is shit. So we just. If we'd have spent that wisely like Liverpool had, then we could be probably, you know, five years ago, A, we could have had Jurgen Klopp. Not that, I'm, you know, I'm very happy with Arteta now, but we could have had Jurgen Klopp. We could have been where Liverpool are now because they made the right hires behind the scenes and the right purchases on the pitch. And we, we've just been neglected. So I, I just hope, it's just giving me a gl- bit of a glimmer of hope that they're actually putting the think pieces in place to actually sort out this mess that we've got ourselves into once and for all. And I hope that they are going to, because Arteta is demanding, he is t- telling them openly that we need signings and he needs to be backed. So this summer is one of the biggest, I think, in my lifetime for the future of this club, as far as I'm concerned. We've got a window of opportunity here. We can either actually try and catch up with the with the rest of them, the top four, or we're just going to slip down 
further from where we are now. So I think this summer is what is is incredibly important, personally. So I mean, I don't know whether anyone wants to just quickly touch on that before we start wrapping up because go for it, Stan. Um, I mean, to answer Rohan's question earlier, to cycle back when he said, you know, why would anybody want to support Arsenal now? Obviously, it's the kits, right? I mean, look at the three kits we've got this season. <laughs> they are blinders. They are blinders. But the problem for me is with the owners. It's it's. Would I, I would like to have an owner that doesn't have that that we weren't part of their portfolio, their sporting portfolio, that their eye is on all of these other projects. I would like to have an owner where they've got more of their time to focus on what's going on at the club on a daily basis. But the biggest problem is who's in just underneath the owner. And I, for the life of me, it staggers me how somebody with the credentials of Raul Senyeli has managed to wangle his way in to where he has a title, which is head of football. Head of football. This, I can under, head of contracts, maybe. And because this is what I understand that he's about. He's a contact person. For me, you know, if you're bestowing the title of head of football on someone, that conjures up for me, you know, images of someone like a Glenn Hoddle, a David Plea, maybe somebody that played at the club and, you know, like a David O'Leary that's been around the club. Someone that actually un has understands football because I'm sure that anybody here on this panel could probably do going, and if you're talking being the head of football, could probably do a better job than Raul Senyei. Because we probably, between us, watched more football matches than he probably has, right? So mm -hmm. this is what staggers me. And it almost feels like, you know, like when uh, your parents go out and they trust Big Brother to look after the next two kids, but they don't realise that Big Brother's the one that causes all the shit anyway. As soon as the car pulls off out of the drive, he's getting the ice cream out of the fridge, he's letting the others draw with their crayons on the table, he doesn't give a fuck. And that's almost what I feel like is happening at Arsenal. They're over there in America, and they've got no idea what's actually going on in the club. And if you, you know, if they turned the cameras on, the security cameras on and looked in the club, you'd see people running around. There'd be paper flying up in the air. It'd be chaos. You know, shirts would be undone. You know, row people would be walking around with a huge cigar on. There'd be topless birds running in and out of the camera. <laughs> like it, something you know, like airplane. <laughs> what the fuck is going on there? And that's what I think the biggest problem is at Arsenal. I don't understand how... Someone like Raul has managed to finagle his way into this position of head of football, and it's going to damage us. Exactly, but that, that's why I, I am encouraged by this guy coming in and actually starting to keep an eye on everything that's going on in the club. Uh, he's got to be held accountable because he is at the root cause of, of uh, so many problems at the club at the moment. I, I want him out. Can I, really can I just want add as well? Um, you know, it was, it was Raul that was a key proponent of hiring Unai Emery. So, you know, Unai was his man. And mm. Unai went to, to Raul and said, look, I've identified a player that I think is going to enhance our football team. His name's Wilfred Zaha. I've been and I spoke to the player. I've sat down with him. He understands what I'm looking for. I think he's going to be a perfect, perfect fit. And Raul just looked... Listened with his feet on the desk, smoking a cigar, and said, "Okay." And when uh, Uno woke up in the woke up the following morning, Amazon dropped off. Pepe, that's not what he asked for. 
And, you know, he's making those kind of decisions. I mean, and this is at a time when, you know, Unai Emery's job wasn't under fire. It wasn't they were thinking we were going to get rid of him. At the same time, they were talking about wanting to extend his contract. So I really hope that this isn't as this doesn't continue and spill over to Mikel Arteta, where Mikel Arteta is going to them and saying, like, this is the player for this position that I want because of these traits, this personality, how he'd be a good fit in the team. And then he just goes and sees Kyoja Kaboras and whatever his name is and says, who's on your books? Who have you got that we could have? Because that looks to me that of how business is being done. And I, and it surprises me that that the Cronkies aren't noticing it. It almost appears that Cronkies find out about what's going on at Arsenal by going on Twitter and seeing what everybody's talking about. All oh, right, is this happening now? Oh, shit, I didn't know that. It's worrying. Hmm. Absolutely, I, I, I'm exactly the same. He need, he needs to go, and I just hope if he, if he has a bad summer, I mean, God forbid, you know, it's going to be if, if he's not sacked, then something's got to be done. There's got to be a bit of an uprising because he is a cancer in the club, as far as I'm concerned. Raúl Senior, he and um, he shouldn't be there. Shouldn't be there. I think he's the uh, the one. Only the one element that's holding me back from being properly excited about the future. If he wasn't there, then I would just be, I'd be like a, a five-year-old kid, you know, when you wake up on Christmas morning and you open up your presents and you've got your new Arsenal shirt and all that sort of stuff. I'd be absolutely really excited now. But he is the one element that's just holding me back from being excited because it's a worry. He's a massive worry as far as I'm concerned. And um, but one thing I was going to say is, sorry, one one last one last thing, Stan. I'll come to you, one last thing. I was talking to Carol Shellamay uh, on on Twitter the other day, and she mentioned about um, Usmanov would have been a, a better option. That's one thing I wholeheartedly disagree with, because yes, he's got loads and loads of money, but he is a he is a. I'm not going to say too much because I'll get myself into trouble. But if you actually spend a bit of time googling that guy. He is a, he's not a nice human being, and I would not want that guy owning my football club under any circumstances whatsoever. And also, we could be in a lot worse position in lots of ways because I mean, look at the Newcastle fans that the, the shit they've been through for the last twelve years or whatever it is under Mike Ashley. Worse, even worse. Look at Charlton Athletic. Look at Wigan. Look at what's happening at Wigan at the moment. Absolute disgrace. Have any of you been following that story? Wigan Athletic. Yeah. Yeah. Winners of the FA Cup in 20, what, 2013, I think it was. Premier League, uh, you know, a football club for for quite a few years. And look what's happened to them in the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to go into it too much now. It's, it's hideous what's happened to that club. And look what's happened to Charlton as well. It's exactly the same. They could be out of business in no time at all. So we could have had, we could have a lot worse owners than we are. But they need to actually keep ears on the ground, eyes on the people that they're actually employed and actually hold them accountable. And if they start doing that sort of thing, I don't think we've got too much to worry about. We just need the right people in the offices. doesn't matter if they own it and they live over in America. It's fine. If they employ the right people at the club who care about what they're doing and actually treat the club's money as if it's their own in lots of circumstances, we're actually going out and buying these players and actually finding the right players that are like the jigsaw pieces for Arteta needs to go on the pitch, rather than just going out and buying the big names to keep everyone happy, even if they're not going to fit into the side. 
then I'll be happy with that if they've got the right people in place. But until Raul's gone and we've replaced him, he is the problem. And I'm, I'm not overly concerned about the Cronkies because, like I said, they have released the purse strings, even though they're not. it's not their own money. And luckily, they haven't sort of used the club as collateral, like you mentioned earlier. They're actually not tied the club up to any kind of um, collateral for any other business venture as it stands at the moment. And God forbid if that ever happened, but I don't think it probably will. But um, yeah, I think we could have a lot worse owners than because there's so many more worse owners out there. I would not want Usman off. And they'll say, you do your own homework on that. But I have, and I fucking do not want that bloke anywhere near the club. Everton are welcome to him. But um, yeah, we just need more a better quality employee behind, you know, sits on the main seat in, in the club in the UK. Uh, has anyone else got anything to say about that before we finally do wrap up? Because again, once again, I don't know what's going on the last three weeks. It's been really monster length shows. So, everyone happy with that or... You were going to say you were going to say something, Stan, or have you forgotten what you were going to say now? Because I, well, I was just going to say that I would have thought that you know, under the current setup, that little pyramid that comes underneath the owners, that I would have thought that it would have been Edu who would have been the one that would be closer to the top, having worked with Brazil at an international level, played football, been around a club, and that Raul would be answering to him in some way. It just it irks me that mm. if he's the head of football, you know, when it comes to Mikel Arteta. Uh, and people like Edu, they're making their suggestions and then it's all being filtered through Raul, you know, before it gets to the Cronkies. And maybe some things don't even get to the Cronkies because Raul might not want that information to get to the Cronkies because it doesn't best serve him. So I, I just it just looks that in the shape of the pyramid, I don't understand how Raul is, it can be higher than Edu. It's because he's Did got you know 12 I mean? years of Barcelona on his CV and that's that sort of wowed them. However, at Barcelona, he was he was Winston Wolf. That's all he was. He was the he was the guy that can get you stuff and clear stuff up, clear up the mess. So yep. that's all he that's all he did at Barcelona, and they and they got rid of him in the end. But he had twelve years of of a high sort of uh, position at Barcelona, and that's how he sort of got where he is. You know, he's just like um, I can't remember the, what's that character of the Far Show that sold the cars. Um, can't remember his name, but yeah, in, in Swiss effect, Tony. yeah, that's it. Yeah, is that Swiss Tony? You know, that's that's what he was like at the interview. You mean he's like make, buying a football player is rather like uh, making, making love, love a beautiful, beautiful woman. First of all, you've got to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, I just I want to thank you all. It's been a great show. I've really, really enjoyed that. It's um, been fantastic. Tanner, thanks very much for coming on. Sai, really appreciate it, really enjoyed it. And I'll tell you what, your backdrop, that's something for me to aspire to in my, in my future life. It looks beautiful there. What, my leaky conservatory? Yeah, it looks, <laughs> it looks great. The, the way that the lighting is, I'll tell you what, it looks really posh. It looks lovely. But yeah, it's been great the, having the, you on it. The reality's far different, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I, I hope you come on again soon, mate. It's been a pleasure. Stand yeah, thanks for having me. Stand around the ladies' uh, housewife's favourite. Thanks for coming on again. It's been an oh, yeah. absolute Cheers, pleasure. <laughs> and I missed your gimp mask this week. That was a that was that was a pleasure. That was the other week. You saw that, yeah. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Ryan, as always, been fantastic. Get great opinions again. 
you rabbit on a bit too much, but you know, it's, it's, you learn it off me. I think. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, you know, uh, things don't change. I'm joking. No, it's been, it's been great. Thanks for coming on, mate. It's been really good. And Thanks Rowan, me. I love you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I wanted that. I Fuck. You, man. That's what I'm going to say. At least you do. The banker doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he is a banker. He's a proper Swiss banker. All right. I'll see you again all next week. If everyone watching, thank you ever so much. Tony, like I said, you've been making some fantastic points, but you because you're not behind with the live feed, I haven't mentioned a lot of your comments because it didn't correspond to what we're talking about at the time. But thanks ever so much for that. Really appreciated. And thanks to everyone else that's watching. And uh, Give us a like before you go and subscribe if you haven't already. But more than anything, tell your friends, please. We need more viewers to grow the channel because I may be biased, but I think we do some really good stuff on here. Is that right? Yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. glowing praise. <laughs> that. Glowing praise. So tell your friends, and that'd be really appreciated. Hey, yeah, wait, you... Andrew, one, Andrew, one thing, real quick. I'm going to tell my friends. Hey, guys, watch uh, from Bio Square to Where. I'm talking oh, to the you. four of you, you in the screen because you're the only friends I have. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> actually, like associates. We had James Johnson listening earlier and watching. <laughs> James Johnson was watching earlier, and I just wanted to shout out their podcast as well. If you haven't listened to that, the Purely Arsenal podcast, it is excellent. I really enjoy that. So give that a listen to as well. And thanks for watching, you guys. Right. See you all next week. Actually, no. See you on Sunday if you want to come along to the watch along Bye-bye. for a big, big match, the North London Derby. So we'll see you there. Take care. Bye-bye. Have you liked it yet? No? Why not? What's going on? You should be ashamed of yourselves. Your grandparents right about now are thinking, uh, wrong ends. Absolute wrong ends. This is wrong, and you know it. Start liking, start subscribing, get on with it. Thank you very much. Can anyone catch them, do you think? Uh, yes, of course. Put them on army.